0: Greetings, friends. Welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the film review podcast, where good taste and bad taste make a sound effect. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I am a film critic of some stripe or another. Uh, I write for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and with me, as always, is my scintillating and incredibly intelligent co-host, William. Introduce yourself.
1: Uh, I'm I'm William. <laughs> um, I'm William Bibiani, I'm a film critic, everybody calls me Bibs And uh, this week uncritically Critically Acclaimed, uh, we, you know, the end of the year is upon us And uh, we are starting our big wrap-up This week we're going to be talking about the big Christmas releases We're going to be talking about the new films Wonder Woman 1984, Soul Promising Young Woman, Midnight Sky, News of the World, and We Can Be Heroes. And uh, next week we're going to talk about some of the films that we need to catch up on throughout the year. Films that uh, one or both of us missed the first time around. That we felt were necessary to catch up on so that we had a
0: full full range of the year in cinema. A a sizable sampling of the films that were being talked about. Uh, By critics and others as well.
1: Yeah, it's impossible to see everything because no one has the time. There are hundreds upon hundreds upon Mm -hmm. hundreds of movies released every single year. And that's just... You know, theatrical and VOD, then you add TV movies onto that and, and it, every movie internationally as well. It's literally impossible. But we try to see as much as we can. So mm-hmm. we're going to highlight some of the movies that we missed, whether we love them or hate them. And then shortly after that, we're going to do two episodes of Critically Acclaimed next week. We're going to
0: reveal our picks for the best films of 2020. And that should be really interesting because this has been one wacky year. It's been really uh, weird. Uh, and in fact, we're reviewing the big Christmas Day releases on this episode and Christmas day is usually held for like a few last minute, like awards contenders. Yeah.
1: Big films from big directors. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, maybe like some counter programming, like a light family comedy or a horror movie or or something like that. Yeah, Some horror movie. Um, but yeah, this is kind of where like the heavy hitters kind of fall. And because of all of the shifting of scheduling that's been going on this whole year, because of the theater closures, things have been moving onto streaming. Uh, the way we're reacting to this season is vastly different from the way we've reacted to this season in the past. Yep. And it's been brought up by some people uh, who are wiser than I, that the way we react to these movies might be drastically altered. uh, And the way we're talking about them might be drastically altered given the means by which we're consuming them. Which is to say that
1: all of these movies uh, with, with actually one or two exceptions, one of them is, uh, the Promising Young Woman is only being released To theaters right now I guess for awards contention the and, uh, that was News necessary. of the World as
0: well is, oh, yeah. I think it's just in theaters right now uh,
1: But the majority of these films are being released Straight to one uh, video on demand Streaming service or another HBO Max, Netflix, mm-hmm. Disney Plus Etc And as a result, the way we, you're right. The way we are discussing them is shifting dramatically. Um, a lot more people have an opportunity to see them on opening day than might otherwise. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot more people have an opportunity to see them multiple times. And so a lot of them are getting, um, disseminated in greater detail more rapidly than perhaps they normally would because people who are interested have an opportunity to view them multiple times a day Mm -hmm. and without spending extra money on theater tickets. Um, we're seeing a lot of conversation in particular about Wonder Woman, but also soul soul hmm. um, online that I think is catching everybody by surprise because for the majority of the year, um, we didn't have a lot of major blockbusters. And so really the kind of discourse that we're seeing around Wonder Woman and soul, the variety of in-depth analyses controversial takes in-depth readings of the text for positive and negative reviews um it actually isn't that different than i think we would normally have the difference is normally that would be the norm and mm-hmm. now we're getting this sort of hyper focus on a couple of blockbusters whereas in a typical summer season we'd be getting these every week and then a week well, like- later people would stop talking about wonder Woman right. and move on
0: I'd say this, I think the cycle, however, is moving a lot faster Mm. because people can watch it multiple times a day and can really start getting into the nitty gritty of things. Uh, There's no longer, uh, it seems to me, a a sort of grace period Mm. for these big blockbusters while people are still taking their time and going out and seeing it and continuing the conversation in, uh, not among critics, of course, because we've written our reviews, but among the general public in this generally positive sort of way. Uh, people mm-hmm. are giving their hot takes, but they're sort of not getting delving into like spoilers and stuff. There's an initial still high sort of, and yeah. initial
1: respect for not everyone had a chance to see it yet. Yeah.
0: The initial high part has now been taken out. And I think mm. we're just skipping straight to the discourse that usually starts about three weeks into a theatrical run. <clears throat>
1: yeah. That and doesn't uh, bug me so much.
0: It doesn't bug me. I'm just noticing yeah. that this is the way these the cycle is now a little bit different.
1: That's true. And I, know, I think I've seen some people comment on that. And largely I've seen people either just sort of note, huh. Hmm. But some people have found it kind of negative and well, personally, and I'm
0: like, I'm glad that we can talk in detail hmm. about a movie. Well, and you but you and I have also said that when you see a lot of films sort of casually on streaming, it does affect the way you tend to value that experience. True. Sure. Uh, if you're just sort of, yeah, if you're just at home, watch even if it's a gigantic quote blockbuster that would have been released theatrically otherwise. You're probably reacting it to it to it a little bit more, a little bit differently. Yeah, you're taking it in a little bit more casually. You're not there with the co- sort of blockbuster, commercially honed reverence right. that the studios have been uh, so careful to construct yeah, over the you, course of the last decade. You didn't
1: have to get dressed and go out mm. and pay for parking and s- wait in line or wait in a theater surrounded by people who are just as excited as you are to see this movie. You yeah, didn't yeah, have yeah. when the lights went down, some random people in the background going, Yeah people standing up and
0: applauding for the Lucasfilm logo. Yeah, or understand. or
1: in the middle of the scene in the middle of the mm. movie, the the applause, the cheers. There is a definite different vibe that we get watching something like Wonder Woman in particular, I think it's, it's a big action movie, it's a franchise film. Uh, I think if we were watching this in theaters, regardless of what you think of the movie, I think the initial takeaway would be a little bit more, maybe not positive, but buzzy. Yeah. People would be like, ooh, what an experience. Mm. We got to see this Wonder Woman with a whole bunch of people. And there would be a reference for that experience. And as a result, sometimes the reverence for that experience makes it a little difficult to settle down and actually acknowledge what it is we just saw. Mm. Like we've seen that a lot with a lot. There's been a lot of like hit movies that initially people are super high on and then eventually they're like, wait a minute, Phantom Menace doesn't quite work. Does yeah.
0: it? Phantom Menace is the ur- example of yeah. this. People were seeing this film like six, seven times in a theater. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like maybe like three or four years thereafter We started to say, wait a minute That's not a good movie there were
1: Some people faster than that yeah. But it took a while for like everyone to get on board With at least admitting that the film is worthy of criticism mm-hmm. um, and, and now people have gone back around But that's fair too So I think maybe if Wonder Woman had been released in theaters It would have a little bit more of a positive vibe around it But we can't control that right now What we have is the mm-hmm. movie The movie is currently available on HBO Max and um, I saw it. It's not very good.
0: No, it's not. No. It's it's actually a big sloppy mess of a movie. It's very disappointing. Uh, it, there's it, there's it, stuff
1: I like in it, but yeah. it's it doesn't congeal very well. What it feels like is some good ideas, some kind of wonky ideas, and that isn't really a problem for me in a superhero movie. I don't mind if it gets weird. Mm. But honestly, the thing that strikes me most about it is how underdeveloped it feels it feels like we have a yeah, big idea it, but we're not really exploring it very well we're not connecting it to all the subplots very well I, I, it's just I kind of feel, a big jumble
0: uh, i could feel like the various drafts of the script as i was watching it there's a big opening sequence in in uh themiscera the wonder woman land and um <laughs> the island the, where the amazons live the, yeah <laughs> I would okay. totally
1: go to Wonder Woman Land, by the way. That sounds great. <laughs> if they have that 80s mall from this movie, I'll just go for that. That'd be yeah, awesome.
0: the, the 80s mall was pretty great. It just made me nostalgic for B. Dalton books. Oh. But
1: uh they <laughs> stole my heart. I think
0: there was a B. Dalton and a Walden books in the oh. background, and that's like, oh, the comp- two two oh. competing bookstores in the same mall. That was a thing once. Uh <laughs> But that whole opening sequence, uh, I guess just because we liked, like, the Connie Nielsen and Robin Wright characters, and we needed Mm. to sort of incorporate them into the sequel, Uh, and that sequence actually, while it's, I guess, kind of fun doesn't introduce anything that affects the movie later on it's a weird like there's one line of dialogue about sort of like but you need to be true to yourself wonder woman you can't can't take shortcuts you
1: can't cheat yeah yeah
0: yeah, we get to see wonder woman she's like 12 years old let's set the uh, stage let's set the stage so
1: here's this opening mm -hmm. sequence uh and we're going to talk in some detail about this movie we won't go into full spoiler territory but Mm -hmm. in order to explain Why we feel the way we feel about this movie We're going to need to talk about it So again, it's on streaming, hopefully you've seen it already This episode is a little later than usual Hopefully they gave you time Uh, It opens on Themyscira It opens on Themyscira when Wonder Woman's just a little kid Mm-hmm. And they're having, I guess, the Olympics. It's
0: kind of vague. Yeah. And here, here's something they don't actually explain yeah. what it is or why it, we're here, like Or what the, the stakes are. The, the, Wonder, or... the Wonder Woman Games, and yeah. uh, this this kind of bothers me because they they're not human characters. They're like divine species. I think, they, I think
1: they were human, but then they got like they're like fantastical a send- powers send or something. Yeah, something like yeah. That,
0: yeah. uh I got the impression because they're also immortal, so they're clearly yeah. not human. I think they were just and, blessed. Uh,
1: they were in, they were charmed, uh, enchanted, I mean, whatever
0: uh magically enhanced whatever yeah. they are but they have like super strength yeah and super agility and they live forever and i, I don't know if you can like actually like kill a wonder no Woman. you
1: can we established that yeah. in the first one they, they can die mm. but they can only die like through violent maids otherwise
0: oh, oh that's right they get like gunned down. yeah there the was
1: beach. a there was a big battle in the yeah. original one yeah. um
0: but what what is the point of like training and working out if you're already magically enhanced for fun for, for fun, I suppose, but yeah, we like get boring after a Yeah, like maybe, maybe not. That I've was my PS4, a, by the way. I've, I've seen yeah. a, like like when the Hulk is lifting weights. It's like you're already the Hulk. Are you gonna get bigger? Like well, is, is yeah. Like, what, what kind of power fantasy is that? If I have to like work out to stay in shape, people, if I'm already okay. like super powered, you're you're looking at this. From I a want to purely, be lazy and also be super powered. You're
1: looking at this from a purely utilitarian perspective. You're mm. also looking at this from a perspective of a film critic. Mm. Um, we we're not <laughs> muscle dudes, okay? Well, but no. lo- but a lot of people exercise, work out, play sports just for fun. It's mm. not doesn't have to be about. Achieving physical perfection. It well, could just it be, like I enjoy really... playing
0: basketball with my friends. I, I that wish could it be enough. I wish it looked like they were having fun. They were all very steely well, faced. Here, here's, and here's, here's, here's
1: the scene, okay? Mm. Did you ever see that movie, First Night? First Night with a K with Richard Gere uh, as Lancelot? It's been a while. And Sean but yes. Connery as, as King Arthur? Mm. It's not good. It's <laughs> not as bad as you might think, but it's not good. Um, there's a bit in the movie where in this, in Camelot, in the Middle Ages, uh, King Arthur decides to to celebrate the his betrothal to Guinevere, who I think was Julia Ormond. Um and she's she, and she's like young enough to be his granddaughter. It's mm-hmm. weird. Um he decides to have like an American ninja competition, like long before that was like a thing. It's like, American Gladiator, is basically what the deal. It's King Arthur American Gladiator, where like, you know, there are like axes being swung back and forth and <laughs> big dumbbells that are like hitting you off of a post and if richard gear can cross this gauntlet you can get a kiss from guinevere and it's really stupid and here we have that kind of elaborate american ninja type competition here but here's the thing and here's why this sequence bugs me because on one hand it's, it's nicely shot it's it's, it's epic um they don't explain what the rules are of this competition, which will be important later. Uh, they don't explain what the stakes are. Is Are we going for, like, does the person who gets the gold medal, like, have, like, a, is that a special honor or is this just for funsies? No one's really talking about it. So when, like, I, I know, I don't know exactly how wonder woman aged if she aged normally and then just stayed at like 30 for the rest of her life or if she was like eight years old for a century or what i don't know how it worked but she's like a little kid and she's allowed to compete in this gigantic tournament thing and everyone's just trying to cross this obstacle course and they're taking different paths in the obstacle course that's important Mm. they're not all taking the same route and they're going through like different types of obstacles in order to get but, to the end of but it. But
0: they have to hit like checkpoints along the way. But
1: when they get to the end of it, then it's like, okay, now here we didn't know it was a triathlon, did you? And I'm like, no, you didn't explain the rules to this Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. So they get on their horses and they pick up bows and arrows and they start like shooting targets and riding all around the damn island and like people are like looking at the targets being blown up and going, Oh, I guess Wonder Woman's got a little hmm. got a little bit more blue in her column here. Let's... Lower that flag because that means something. And I'm like, okay. And then Wonder Woman gets knocked off her horse, and it's like, oh no, she lost. But her horse kept running, mm-hmm. so Wonder Woman finds like a slide, a slide, like it's, like, it's a like a like raging an... rapids water slide, but without the water.
0: Uh, well, it's an it's an alpine slide. You ever go on those? No, there's like uh, concrete half pipes with no. little uh, wheeled vehicles with a brake handle. Okay, but it's like a luge basically. So yeah. it's like a. People know what alpine slides yeah. are uh, I love alpine slides I, I, whatever.
1: Anyway, No offense to an alpine slide case, <laughs> She goes down the alpine slide hmm. And she manages to meet up again With her horse And then she gets to the end of the race And it looks like she might actually win And then Robin Wright's like no you don't She's like why not? Well you cheated And I'm like did she? She missed a checkpoint you see She missed a checkpoint yeah. That's not what she said though No. What Robin Wright said is you took a shortcut hmm. And I'm like she got knocked off her horse Got back on the horse And still managed to finish that race In a race that clearly we've established At the beginning of that race You don't all have to take the same path If she missed a checkpoint That's one thing but you told her she couldn't finish because she took a shortcut. When you put the shortcut in the race, <laughs> they do not
0: need to have an alpine slide there. You this, added uh, that for your own purposes. Uh, the, we're all, we're, we're whinging about just the introductory sequence. Like we're not even into the movie yet. No, and, because uh, it already and, is poorly it's, thought it's, out. Yeah, it's emblematic of the kinds of problems this movie has. Um, yeah. the, the actual plot of the movie, it takes place in 1984, yep. I guess, because, uh the first one took place in world war 1 and this all has to transpire before the events of Man of Steel which oh, I didn't of, have
1: to but that's what I, they wanted to they do. want and sort
0: of like a cleaner chronology I suppose you don't have to worry about any um, other
1: superheroes yeah. if you do this and also um, it's you know kind of fun to look at different areas of history and do a superhero yeah. story there rather um, than constantly do them all in the present day I'm I,
0: well I, I mentioned that though because I can't think of any other reason that this is set in 1984 maybe mm-hmm. because the villain is kind of a yuppie character and you wouldn't have him any other but you could still have that kind of character you could character totally still present. have that
1: you could totally still uh, have that today yeah. um, I, but it, the, it's not Orwellian in any particular no. way So banking in 1984 Doesn't quite work either
0: uh, We we So
1: we fast forward to 1984 uh, it, uh, Late 70s, early 80s Was around the time When the Wonder Woman TV series was on So, so one,
0: a, a nostalgia You could argue well, that that era
1: Is like sort of ingrained In sort of the Wonder Woman attitude And you could maybe do more homages mm-hmm. I didn't watch a lot Of the Wonder Woman live action series Every episode I saw I liked it's a fun it, show. It's a yeah, very it's, fun show. It's been a while a since I've seen it. it, but yeah, yeah it, just, it is a fun show. It wasn't like on in reruns when I was a kid, so I didn't watch a lot of it, but whenever there was one on, I would watch it, mm. and I would have a great time. It's a, it's a really entertaining
0: mm. program. Uh, Wonder Woman then uh, starts to take part in a movie that she doesn't have much of a place in. Yeah. Uh, so we, we she's been working at the Smithsonian, in Washington, D.C. in 1984. Uh, she has a co-worker who's played by Kristen Wiig, who is uh, like... Classical movie nerd kind of mousy character. She's
1: Michelle Pfeiffer at the beginning of Batman Returns. Uh, she's
0: Edward. She's Nygma. Jamie Fox she's at the beginning Jamie, uh, of, she's, uh, of uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Guy 2. Pierce at the beginning of Iron Man Three. Same yeah. character. All of these people. They all have the big glasses. Uh, they all have
1: really ratty hair. It's, yeah. Um, they, yeah. Uh,
0: she's working on an artifact at the Smithsonian, and she comes upon a magical wishing stone. Uh, that's that's the MacGuffin of the movie, and. Uh, They discover it's a magic wishing stone when a guy just sort of randomly wishes for coffee and he gets it, and then she stores it in her office. There's a scene right thereafter where uh, Wonder Woman and Kristen Wiig are having lunch together, and Uh they're kind of like flirting and saying things like, have you ever fallen in love? Uh Uh-huh. it's and it's and I so just, much I, chemistry between I just, them right there. I, I, I wanted one of one of them to just lunge across the table at the other one and just start kissing on the mouth. They have
1: a lot. They uh, they they're into each other. They okay. enjoy talking to each other. There's an obvious allure there. There's a weird moment. I'm watching this with my um, wife and partner Michelle, and we're watching this. And Kristen Wig asks in like this sort of very very flirty kind of way, mm-hmm. like "You ever been in love?" And Diana says, um, "You know, yeah, once." And she's like, "Oh." You had a guy, and immediately Michelle and I were just like, "Well, that rings false." Should be yeah. like, "Oh, you had a lover, maybe, yeah. but yeah. why assume guy in a in well, a in, a, in a
0: conversation which is so well, especially these from, two these yeah. two women." There's a lot of romantic tension, and Kristen yeah. Wiig is like clearly like. Feel, into feeling her. this out, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. she would say it so is too. Have like a, a boyfriend or boy girlfriend, maybe, you know, yeah. Like, of... that's the
1: thing, it's so weirdly like it's this one line of weird heteronormativity where it just sort of like it lands with a thud, yeah, in the yeah. middle of this conversation, um, which clearly is full of subtext. So, yeah, just just
0: make them gay, make them gay, and yeah. uh, but they're not gay, and yeah. uh, even though there's a lot of chemistry and the relationship doesn't. Go well, they they don't places. have a lot of
1: time to really like that one scene mm. is about all the time they have to really talk, which is really frustrating mm. because that's one of the biggest problems of this movie. Is there's so much go go go, there's so much happening, there's so much running around that. That's one of the things that worked really really well about the first Wonder Woman is that Wonder Woman and uh, Steve Trevor, uh, played by Chris Pine, mm. they actually the plot moved them forward, but it didn't move them forward at such a fast clip that they couldn't interact they got to know each other really well we got to like drink in their chemistry and it was romantic and it was sexy Mm -hmm. and that was effective in that movie because they made the time here there is no time Mm -hmm. so we have to just race along uh but uh, barbara uh, the character played by Kristen wigg she makes a wish to be more like diana and she doesn't realize that diana is wonder woman so she doesn't realize she's going to get superpowers which is actually pretty clever
0: wonder woman superpower well here's the thing if If Wonder Woman wasn't in this movie, and it was just about Kristen Wiig sort of realizing her own Wonder Woman strength thanks to the power of a magic wishing stone, Uh and the bad guy, this uber yuppie who wishes to, later in the movie, become the wishing stone, Mm -hmm. so people have to touch him to make wishes.
1: Yeah, uh, Maxwell Lord is played by uh, Pedro Pascal from The Mandalorian. He's The Mandalorian, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, if it had just been those two characters this movie would have made so much more sense mm-hmm. but we have Wonder Woman as well she wishes on the wishing Stone to have Trevor back yeah uh, it's upsetting to think that she hasn't fallen in love at all in since 1918 whatever like the last 70 years, yeah. give
1: or take that's a long um, time to hold, to, to a, to carry, hold a torch. carry
0: a torch for somebody yeah. but you know if she's immortal there's no reason for her to get over somebody quickly no, and, and, so, and, she,
1: and she can pine all she wants yeah. if you want to make it super romantic <laughs> Pine. But. Yeah, that was an accident, but <laughs> but in any case, yeah. So she wishes to have him back, and the this has been disseminated a lot already. We're not the first ones to get to this, but this is a weird choice because the wishing stone, as it's, we will see throughout this movie, it's a cursed item like in Friday the Thirteenth, the series, or in the movie it, Wishmaster is like it, that the, kind of thing. It basically is it, it gives yeah. and it takes away. It's mm-hmm. it's ironic. It's a monkey's paw. Um, the idea is. Uh, She wishes, you make a wish and you get it. And that wish could be something as simple as a cup of coffee. Oh, thanks. Like, boom, done, easy. Then again, you can also wish for something like obscene or weird, something that warps reality and you will get it. Like, oh, I wish I had a hundred nuclear bombs. Boom, all of a sudden they exist. Mm -hmm. The Wishing Stone doesn't have any limitations that we can see. Except when Wonder Woman makes a wish, because when she wishes for Steve Trevor to come back... <laughs> he doesn't he, just come back. He has, Which would have been fine. It's magic. Yeah. Who gives a shit? He doesn't just come back. He comes back possessing the body of some random dude nearby, mm. which we will never get into the weird ethics of, because no. well, Wonder you, Woman you think, starts uh, having sex with him a lot, and you realize it's
0: just like, is this guy dead? Did he because where where, what happened to the guy yeah yeah, is he
1: in there like locked in and like looking upon like his life and having no control over it and is that like upsetting to him
0: john uh john cusack at the end of being john malkovich is
1: he teleported to another realm a la quantum leap and is just waiting to come back is he okay with chris pine using his body like this they never talk about it and a lot of people are really upset about this because it's it reeks of non-consent and yeah, and the craziest thing of all is there's no reason in
0: the story to do it that way well, at all. If if it had been in like some sort of position where uh that was the thing that Wonder Woman had to trade. She could have the guy she wants, mm-hmm. but she essentially had to sacrifice another guy to get him.
1: Yeah, there's, that's and the that's, ethical yeah. dilemma that she has if, to deal with. I thought that's where they were
0: going, but it turns out what she, when she makes this wish, it starts draining of her, draining her of her Wonder Woman powers. She's yeah. just not as strong. And, and I guess that's so not really, even irony. It's not irony, and it's yeah. and she's still perfectly capable of fighting as well. She still yeah. has some uh, Wonder Woman powers. Yeah, and
1: they kind of come and go when, mm. like, it's convenient yeah. for the plot. But yeah. there's
0: this, bit, uh, but yeah, Max Lord, or whatever his name is. It's uh, Max Lord. Max Lord, okay. He, uh, wasn't he, that the guy from Harley Quinn? Or, uh, or the, no, no, that was... was um, Mac, Zach Braff, whatever his name <laughs> was. Uh, Zach
1: Braff. <laughs> Ah, uh, what was the name of the guy? Jack, the, Jack Black. It was, it was the guy who was the black mask and I forget his name, mm-hmm. offhand. Yeah. Max Lord is a villain from the comics. He actually used to be a hero in the comics in the 1980s. Mm. Um he took over the Justice League and he was like their yuppie benefactor <laughs> okay. for a while and he was a, and he was a he was a douche waffle even then. Okay. And but in the last like 20 years or so they brought him back and they actually made him like a supervillain. Like he okay. was, he had been corrupted and turned well, evil and actually it was this whole thing. And like wonder woman killed him on live television. It was like real messed up. And for a while I thought they were yeah, going he, there, but that it's not that dark a film. But he
0: like, like Dr. chenard and Hellraiser two, he's been researching yeah. the wishing stone for the longest time. Yes, I made an allusion to Hellraiser 2, because you should watch that movie instead of Wonder Woman 1984. It's a really good movie, Hellraiser uh, <laughs> 2. Yeah. not going to lie. But yeah, he wishes to become the Wishing Stone. He wants the Wishing Stone powers, it melts, like it turns into dust, mm. and now he is... He can grant people's yeah. wishes
1: if they touch him. But
0: he's also figured out that since the stone asks for something in return, mm-hmm. he can actually just make verbal demands in return. So yeah. I'll, I'll, you get your wish, whatever it is. But in exchange, I get, like, all of your power and your entire private police force. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, The
1: character from Birds of Prey, played by Ewan McGregor, Mm -hmm. Roman Cyanus. Roman Cyanus, Yeah, Yeah. so that's, they're they're not, yeah, there's a similarity. I totally get it. Mm -hmm. So that's the deal. He's making all of these wishes. He's granting all of these wishes. He's getting a lot out of it, but it's wreaking chaos. And people are just starting to like wish for crazier and crazier things. And the world is starting to collapse. Yeah, and a, Wonder a Woman really, has really to... There's
0: a kind of racist sequence in the Middle East where yeah. we have these really broad stereotypes, which you might see in a film from 1984, but is that the kind of thing you want to carry is over That's what we want to sake? have
1: nostalgia for, yeah. really?
0: And then, uh, and so Wonder Woman actually has, reaches the point
1: where she has to decide is it worth all of this just to have Steve Trevor back? Mm. And that's her big moral conundrum. Meanwhile, Kristen Wig has started to really enjoy having powers, having popularity, so having yeah, confidence. On. And so she has decided that if Wonder Woman wants to stop the power of this wishing stone, she will stop Wonder Woman at any cost, which is actually not a bad storyline for her. Mm. I, I actually thought that was mostly effective there's one scene that really pissed me off with uh, with Kristen. I actually like Kristen mm-hmm. Wiig in this movie a lot. I think she's I think she's hitting all the beats she's supposed to. Mm-hmm. But there's one scene that is so miscalculated, and I don't understand it. There's an early bit after uh, Barbara and Diana uh, have that lunch, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Barbara is walking home at night, and uh, she's walking home through a, a park, and some drunk guy tries to assault her. And this is before she has any powers or anything, and she's still very uh, very meek. But she's and she's rescued by Diana. She's rescued no, no, by yeah. Diana, and thank God, but that's all there is to that. And then later on in the film, after she has powers, she runs into that same guy. And, and beats him up. Well, she, he tries like, to attack can, her again. Yeah. At first she just says, hey, you, I, you're harassing me, and you need to fucking stop. And at that point he's like, oh, I remember you, and he tries to attack her. Mm. And so she beats the crap. She doesn't kill him. But she beats the crap out of him, mm. and the music gets all dark and moody, as though, oh god,
0: she's, she's become tur- violent. She's now. turned yeah. into the
1: dark side, and I'm just like, um, that's a that,
0: that's bad kind, guy. It's kind of just actually. That's actually like he's getting his just desserts. And I in know, this scene.
1: and I've heard people talk to me. I've, I wrote about this like a little bit on Twitter, and I was just like, this is where the movie loses me. Mm. The idea that she's in the wrong here, and I'm like, it, maybe she's going pretty big. Like she's really lashing out. But again, she was the one who was attacked twice. And even if she has powers now, that's reliving trauma that this exact guy inflicted has no penitence for. And yeah, I'm sorry. He he gets what he deserves here. I mean, she killed him. Yeah, okay, fine. That would probably be too far. But my sympathy is entirely with her. Mm this is not her turning to villainy moment. <laughs> this is a weird miscalculation. And it's weird to me that I'm supposed to like not be on her side right now.
0: Yeah. That's, that's so that, that weird. Was, that was a weird choice. Yeah. Um, I mean, There's of weird choices. All, yeah, all the choices feel really half thought out. Uh, wonder woman has this, like, even though she's losing her powers now has this whole slew of new superpowers mm-hmm. that, like, do you remember in Superman 4 mm-hmm. when uh, somebody knocks over the Great Wall of China and Superman, like, fires these blue beams out of his eyes? And rebuilds and, it. And rebuilds yeah. it some- yeah. Like, he's not well, moving fast.
1: They they did that for, like, all the Superman movies. They would just run it. After one, mm-hmm. they would just have this new superpower. I think, in, I don't remember if they did it in three, but in two, he had that, like, weird, like, I can remove the S from my chest and, like, wrap it around you, like, a net. That is yeah. never, ex- never even remotely explained why he can suddenly do yeah, that, that, that or what that, that is. That, That's weird.
0: That stuff is weird to me. I, yeah. I I don't like that the parameters of the superpowers just sort of keep changing. Yeah, and you, yeah. you if you make up magic in your in your movie, I'm willing to forgive a lot. Like you just yeah, want to say, let me know a little bit about where the edges of that yeah, magic. Tell are. tell
1: me what the limitations yeah. are so that I understand what can and cannot be done. I understand what the stakes are. I know. What is a threat and what isn't a threat It's one of the reasons why the whole Magic Stone thing is confusing Because why does it only have limitations When it comes to bringing back Steve That's so mm-hmm. weird um, But uh, yeah so now there's there's a and, and this is well established And I think it's supposed to be a spoiler So if you want to skip a little bit ahead I understand But it's not a big deal um, In the comics Wonder Woman had an invisible jet
0: mm, It was part of the TV show as well
1: Yeah They didn't put it in the first movie. I guess maybe it was too silly. it was World War I, so she Uh wouldn't have a jet anyway, so it didn't make any sense. But in any case, yeah, she had an invisible jet. It's a kind of ridiculous thing, but it's a comic book. It's fun. Who cares? (laughs) And it's part of the character has been with her forever. Mm. There's a scene in which they have to steal a jet, and in order to get away from everybody, she's like, oh, okay. I kind of figured out how to turn things invisible. And I'm like, what?
0: yeah when when was this and she, this seems like a lot well it was established in the first movie that Wonder Woman Land is all invisible like it's yeah. surrounded by this like stealth bubble so nobody can see it
1: yeah you have to know it's there in order to get to it Yeah, exactly
0: so she said oh it's, it's kind of like that stealth bubble but I can do it with my mind now mm. like so it was a psychic thing and she just puts her hands on a jet that she's flying with Chris Pine yeah. and turns it invisible and then they fly through a 4th of July fireworks show and it's golly is it corny um, yeah, it, it, I'm okay with corny though In a superhero movie I'm okay with corny
1: Because you know what well, I will If, say if this. the whole movie were that kind of broadly corny I kind of wish it was There's and... some corniness here and there But it never quite commits to it I understand yeah. it's supposed to be like a throwback To like 80s type superhero movies I can appreciate mm. that But
0: I think there's It's more of a throwback to Superman 3 than Superman It though.
1: definitely feels like a throwback to Superman 3 But beyond that I just feel like there's something about those movies that isn't being captured here. And I think there's a certain innocence of -hmm. the storytelling, because ultimately, this is a movie being told with largely modern sensibilities in terms of action.
0: And and we've become a lot more, uh, you can say, either cynical or savvy to the way these stories are told, and we've... Been living with this genre for what fifteen years now, so I don't think we can have that same kind of innocence any longer without see, hearing the creaking of the larger machine at work. This is the ninth film in this series. At the same and we time, know there's others coming, and it actually has the pressure of being part of this larger machine. I think I think that can, I think will rob it of a lot of its innocence. I think
1: I think you can do it though, and I think the mm-hmm. thing that makes this that makes Wonder Woman rather distinct. Is that she is a mythological character? She exists mm. in a world of gods yeah. and monsters, um, and that's something that Superman doesn't do, and that's something that Batman doesn't do. And I was thinking about a movie which I I liked when it came out, and I revisited it, and I, I no longer think it works, but there's fun stuff in it, uh, Aquaman. Mm. Which say what you will,
0: <laughs> Aquaman's a big piece of trash. <laughs> I don't know
1: if I go that far, but yeah. it's very silly. But yeah. like Aquaman has these like outlandish elements like a giant octopus playing the drums and like large crab monsters going ah and like Julie Andrews as a leviathan in the deep
0: and I'm like that's weird you can talk to fish yeah but I can also talk to Cthulhu so let's yeah. just bring it on like it's got this kind of just like w- wild
1: reverie hmm. for pulp comic book storytelling that I'm just not picking up from Wonder Woman it feels kind of held back yeah. in a lot of ways like it's it's afraid to get too weird and I think mm. that's the problem. Like, there are bits when, like, Wonder Woman's, like, in a mall saving people from, like, a big attack mm. or whatever. And she, like, rescues a kid and, like, slides her across the mall into a giant teddy bear. That's fun. That's mm. cute. That's good. It's good natured. Like, I can handle that. But then you also have all of these weird sexual assault scenes. And it's like, yeah, the- what am I supposed to do with this clash of tone? I don't really see. Where the connective I mean, tissue is between all of
0: it. The action is fine. That that opening rescue sequence in the mall is fun, just because it's a fun setting. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a fight sequence later on when Wonder Woman is ostensibly less powerful, but she seems just as powerful as ever. She just grunts a lot more.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, where she's fighting in the White House, yeah, Re- that's in, a fun. Bit. In Reagan's White House, they got a guy uh, who doesn't look anything like Ronald Reagan.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, kinda, he's a movie version yeah. of he's the guy. He's he, the president who would be in the '80s movie representing Ronald Reagan, but who wasn't Ronald Reagan.
0: I think there was a better way, like, you could shoot him from behind or get, like, a sound-alike or whatever. Yeah. Just, I'm glad they didn't do it in CGI anyway. Oh, God. That would have been awful. Um, oh, There was a video game recently that did, like, a oh uh, Yeah, one of the Call of Duty yeah, movies it was it had like a Reagan, Reagan, Reagan in, was in it, it, which is so fucking weird. Um, so, I but I like that sequence. I like that fight sequence, but... That, like, sort of fun little bit of, like, sort of down-to-earth action is offset by all this other wild stuff. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a setup and a very brief payoff for this, like, golden suit of armor that she gets to, fl- like, it has wings so she can fly yeah, around in it. But it's so But weird. also she can fly, so I'm not sure, like, she's given flying powers in this movie. Yeah. Um, that's not a Wonder Woman thing. It's no, like, it is, actually. It, it, she can fly? In the like, comics, she can fly, yeah. Oh, I, I I thought she could not. I, not fly, not but... Wonder Woman's
1: powers in the comics have like changed. There's actually okay. a while on like the '60s or '70s where she didn't even have powers and she mm-hmm. was more of like a super spy type character. Um, but um, yeah, there have been a variety of iterations of Wonder Woman where she could fly. That's not okay. that's not that weird for the
0: character. Oh, Okay, yeah. Yeah. She learns to fly in this movie yeah. though. Like she she can't fly okay. in the previous.
1: And place. she's like and she's like flying across the, the fucking Atlantic, country yeah. or the Atlantic <laughs> and she's like I gotta go get to this important thing and he's like oh right that gold suit so I guess she flew all the way back home yeah. and then F- went again yeah, after with this the, whole... but in the flying magical yeah. flying suit there's a there's which, which looks pretty ridiculous yeah Kristen Wiig gets to play the character of Cheetah and although she never says that. Like no, don't use the
0: superhero terminology. No, no, movie. no.
1: And what's what's frustrating is, and this has been given away by the trailers, and of course we're talking a lot about the movie. We're not giving away like the ending or anything mm-hmm. like that, but um She spends most of the movie not being a cat person. And then mm-hmm. for one scene at the end, she's been turned into an anthropomorphic cat person right out of the movie Cats. Now I want to make it clear, I actually don't have a problem with her being a cat person. I oh, actually that's, don't. No, that, that's that, fine. That's, that's yeah. fine. That's fun.
0: That's cool. It's fine. But I have a problem. Like she's she's becoming evil, and she kind of turns, turns into, into a, a monster. monster. Yeah. What fine. I have a
1: problem with is that we have again established the way that people have gained their wish powers in this, mm. basically. And she made her wish. She wanted to be more like Diana, so she got superpowers, and she started wearing more like animal print stuff. And honestly, that would have been enough. I think if you want to bring her back in a sequel and, yeah. and then maybe she gets more powers or something like that. She a need, like, like, a, a, a tail yeah. and fur
0: and all yeah, yeah, what, you, that Yeah, you don't it? need
1: it. She was fine. She was cool. But, um, towards the end, like, Max Lord, like, just sort of says, oh, by the way, you also get more powers. And I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, he, he, sa- did,
0: he says at one point, like, I'll give you a freebie. You got a second it, wish.
1: And I'm like, I don't think you can do that because if you can do that that actually breaks a lot of stuff because earlier in the film we established that you can't give someone more than one wish. Yeah. Like it's literally impossible. So you broke your own rule there. And secondly, she didn't wish to be a cheetah. Hmm. She just wanted to be more powerful. So where did this cheetah fucking thing come from? I kind of wish. She, she, says I, like I, some,
0: she says, I want to be an apex predator, which yeah, if I recall, it's was, vague. It's, it's a line of dialogue from the movie Chronicle as well. So oh, um, yeah. yeah, but regardless, I'm like, I'm watching this and I'm like, I kind of just
1: wish there had been like one point earlier in the movie where she was like talking to someone. And it's like, yeah, I'm a, you know, it's cool. I wish I dated more. I'm kind of all alone. I even have pets. <laughs> I wish I was more of a cat person.
0: Like mm-hmm. that would have been like at Hilarial. least they I would have, a little bit of a joke there. I would have at
1: least accepted <laughs> that, but they, there's no justification yeah. for why you did everything in this movie. There's a lot of fun bits. There's a lot of good stuff, and I I like Pedro Pascal and Kristen Wiig in this movie a lot. Actually, I think they're really committed to their roles, and I think their characters are eight. Well, Kristen Wiig is doing a character we've seen before, but I think Max Lord and and this version of the character is a character who we really haven't seen that much in these kinds of superhero movies. He's very, very much like the main bad guy, but he's also just really a victim of his own personal failings in a very fragile kind of way. Mm. And I can handle that. And I thought that was actually kind of an interesting way to go, is to take this sort of idea of the yuppie icon and then break him down to show just how insecure he is. Mm. I like bits of it, but it just... Doesn't come together, and there's just so many bits of it that just don't even make sense within its own fictional universe. Yeah, yeah, it, that I can't get by it. There doesn't yeah, seem to be like a, a character through a, line because the characters just shunted around based on what the plot wants rather than where they actually want to go. It's, it's annoying.
0: It, it's, it's it's annoying it's, how, it's how the, not good this movie. Yeah, it's it, it's a script that clearly like needed a couple more drafts yeah. or just had. Too many drafts. Maybe, maybe they just add like they added a few things. They, they realized they didn't really have a theme or an arc for the character, so they threw in that introductory sequence where they could have a line of dialogue that alluded to it, and then write another line at the end.
1: That, yeah, that, that's that's, that's, that's good
0: screenwriting shorthand. If you're missing something, you only need like one setup and one payoff. Right, but it doesn't actually track for a lot. of No, it like, doesn't because yeah. the movie's not about that. They just no. sort of set it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. No. And, and it's a, it's yeah, a real and, shame. And, 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 I, and the, the climax has all kinds of weird in, inconsistencies and logical problems that I'm not going to get into here. It's
1: frustrating when you have a filmmaker who had, like, their first two movies are amazing.
0: Mm. Like, well, Monster, M- is, Monster amazing. is great.
1: I, I liked Wonder Woman mm. more than you. I mm. agree that the, that the I, I think the bookends are unnecessary and I mm. think the ending is too much of a CGI fight. Even Patty Jenkins has admitted that much in an interview. She's just like, yeah, I didn't want it to end that way. Mm. That was yeah. a studio note. And I'm like, fair. That cause yeah, that's the mm-hmm. clunkiest part of that movie. The rest yeah, of that movie works great. Well, in
0: fact, the, that last part kind of undoes the most interesting parts of the movie.
1: Really. Arguably, yes, but I still think most of that movie is really, really great. And mm-hmm. I actually would I think it's one of the better superhero movies we've had in the last ten years. Um and then yeah, this one does not work. No. That sucks. It, it really doesn't. Uh, she, she's gonna get to make a third one? Cool. Hopefully that one works because this yeah. one is is a bit of a disappointment. All right, moving on. Uh, Let's talk about the other giant release Uh, for this week. Let's talk about Pixar's Soul.
0: Soul. This is the second Pixar film this Mm -hmm. year.
1: It's also the second movie we have about someone whose soul gets
0: shunted into someone else's body. Uh, And, in fact, becomes a cat person. Shoot, you're right. This is a weird (laughs) double feature. So uh, Soul is about a, a high school band teacher. Uh, the character's name is, let me look, it was played by Jamie Foxx, mm-hmm. and the character is named. Uh, Everyone always calls him
1: Teach, so that's what I was going. Yeah.
0: Joe Gardner is the character's okay. name. And Joe Gardner teaches high school band. He doesn't like it, he always wanted to be a musician himself. Uh, he lands uh, an audition with really prestigious jazz musician. This takes place in New York. And uh, he nails it. He nails the audition, and he's ordered to come back that night so he can play live. Mm.
1: So finally, uh, after all these years, he's middle-aged. So like mm. he's finally, after all these years, finally getting everything he wanted out of life. And then he and his, dies. And,
0: yeah, and, it, oh, and, his, and his mother disapproves of yeah. his jazz lifestyle. It was played by Felicia Rashad, yeah. who, who uh, was really great in that movie, uh, Black Box. It mm. uh, was one of the Blumhouse films that oh, came out okay. earlier this she year. She was
1: also great in uh, jean Claude Van Johnson.
0: Yeah, she, she brings a lot of energy yeah. to, to what, whatever she's in. Um, yeah.
1: But anyway, Jamie yeah, Foxx's life is finally he, getting going, and then he dies. He
0: falls down a manhole and he dies. Uh, he appears in the afterlife uh, as this blue blob. He's a soul.
1: Yeah.
0: And everybody around him is a blue blob. And he's heading into the Great Beyond, a big mm. glowing light. And he says, nope, F that noise, I need to get back to Earth. He mm. uh, runs off of the ramp leading him up to the Great Beyond and lands in the land where souls are born. Mm-hmm. and in this which realm... I'm, which I was glad for, because for a while I'm like, is this just All Dogs Go to Heaven
1: again? Because this is very All Dogs Go to <laughs> it's Heaven. It's very All
0: Dogs heaven. Go to Heaven. Right. It's actually a lot of things. There's, like, touches of uh, defending your life in here as yeah, well. Yeah, very much so, yeah. But uh, this uh, realm is overseen by some really cool designed like line-drawing beings. Yeah, this some somewhat abstract mm. uh, creations, and they even just say, like...
1: I like when they say, that," like, because this is an old chestnut, at least... I think it became a cliche when contacted it, which is like you're, you couldn't un, you couldn't comprehend what we are. So we decided to appear as something you can understand. And I'm like, we can barely understand you. in Soul. <laughs> and I think that's right. really cute, actually. Yeah. I think and, I like that uh,
0: a lot. But yeah, uh, the way it works in this version of the before life is that the new souls all have to all have like personality traits, uh, like sort of branded onto them. Yeah and they have a little badge and once they've fulfilled all of the, the notches on their badge they get to be born on earth
1: yeah so like uh, you're insecure and you have an affinity for animals and you have a great sense of humor go yeah. and uh, you're a megalomaniac you're a
0: megalomaniac go <laughs> I, I do like that most of the personality traits they ascribe to people are very negative ones yeah Like they're, like they're actually
1: a, com- real people they're not yeah, just like you. Exactly. Like,
0: uh, so yeah. you're and you're, you're gonna love skipping rope like it's mm. not just that cute because it's Pixar it's, it's yeah. a, a little bit more sophisticated but what Joe they, sees is yeah. that
1: uh, these, these young souls get to go back to Earth, and he's mm. like, Great, that's how I'll get back to Earth. But it turns out he can't do that because you need to have like the full merit badge. Mm. So he signs up to be a mentor for these to, young souls
0: to the 22nd soul that was ever produced. So this yeah. soul has been around for literally millennia in the before life, yeah. preparing to go to Earth. I mean, on arg- when humanity started, yeah. arguably millions of years, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I suppose so, but uh this soul played by Tina Fey, only ever referred to as 22, uh, has been mentored by, uh, many great historical figures like Mother Teresa and Archimedes have all to, Ali yeah, and all talked to, Muhammad Ali. i all talk to 22 and, mm. and she's gotten on all their nerves Yeah, she, they, she just doesn't want to go to earth. She's happy in the before yeah. life.
1: The mentors are just supposed to help the, the soul find that spark, that thing mm. that makes them want to live. And, mm. uh, and then they go off and do their thing, but th- this soul has never found a reason to want to go to earth.
0: They're very, mm content with where they are even yeah, though they uh, yeah anyway uh but he uh joe savvies 22 to his scheme and and she says great that sounds good to me i like a good, good scheme they find joe's uh physical body it turns out he's not dead he's just comatose i hate that which i think uh, that, that
1: feels like such a cop-out to me yeah, well so well, why would he why would a soul be gone if he's well, something comatose? i
0: appreciate they we do find there's a scene where we uh find lost souls yeah. Of people who are still alive on Earth, but they're just sort of lost in monotony. So their souls are already in the afterlife, right? So his soul should be there. Yeah. it shouldn't yeah. be like
1: on his way Which is, out. That's a he's um, not
0: dead yet. That's a conceit from the Divine Comedy, uh, yeah. where the main oh, yeah. the main character is actually in Hell, seeing the souls of people who are actually still alive.
1: Yeah, they're, they've committed sins that were so terrible that their souls are already in Hell, already it being tortured. Doesn't matter you know? that they're not alive. That they're yeah. that they're still alive. But again, and the, this is, also is another also one where into, the rules uh, are are yeah. they've made up these rules. Yeah and there's already inconsistency we're not even halfway through the movie and And that really frustrated me because uh, I was liking it so far
0: this is all this is all in the first act of the movie they uh, are able to open a portal where 22 and Joe jump back into his body but there's a mix up 22 ends up in Joe's body and Joe ends up in the body of a cat and it becomes this wacky body swap comedy for the bulk of the film right which is really disappointing because that's really uncreative especially for a studio like Pixar
1: you were were going so high concept and so
0: interesting and we're getting like all these abstract ideas ideas and yeah. souls in the afterlife and, and it just yeah. ends up
1: feeling like again this is the sort of thing like dudley moore would have done this kind of thing in the 80s he and did, kind yeah, of did. like father like son yeah exactly like this is what we're doing here and yeah it ultimately ends up feeling so small not like intimate just small N- in a way creative, that's like kind of yeah. dis- kind of disappointing mm-hmm. there's so much artistry going into this so much talent that The story would take such a conventional detour Is extremely disappointing It's handled mostly well Uh, A lot of critics have pointed out It's slick as heck, it's Pixar Oh, it's very pretty But like, a lot of people have pointed out And I I find it distracting That this is a movie about a a black man Who doesn't appreciate his life Hmm. And Tina Fey is a white woman Oops, sorry Stop that I apologize uh who ends up in his body and like showing him the right way to live in his body and there's Hmm. something condescending there's something that at the best Hmm. has not been thought out very well and there's really no reason why you had to handle it like that and it's really annoying um but that's kind of my thing there's so much exciting stuff in this beautiful animation uh, the music is great. Uh, is mm-hmm. music is by uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, and the jazz music is done by John Batiste. The music is great in this movie. The animation if, is yeah, if, if rock you told, solid throughout. If you told me
0: in the 90s that Nine Inch Nails would be, like, scoring Pixar movies, yeah. I would not have believed you. And yet, here we are, yeah. and it's one of the best parts of the movie.
1: Um, yeah, you've, you've introduced so much amazing stuff, and then you made a weird distracting choice, which arguably is ill-advised, mm-hmm. and... Maybe even just flat out offensive, depending on how how distracted you are by this and how negative you think that is. Um, and then it just and it just feels pretty conventional, like ah, you got to learn to live, man. Yeah. yeah and I'm like,
0: really? That's no, that's all we got out of that? It, it's a, it's done, It's handled very deftly because yeah. this is a Pixar film and they're really good at uh, understanding the emotional crux of this thing. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a montage kind of at the beginning of the third act where you kind of real have that big uh, mm-hmm. revelation. Where, oh, it was happening this whole time and you just didn't notice. But that's something that I, they actually pulled with me on Onward as well. Uh, it's yeah, like yeah. All, all of these things you wanted, you were actually getting all along. I thought and it and worked that, better thought, in Onward because Onward... Yeah, I actually Onward. like Onward better well, because, than this movie. Well, I don't know about that,
1: but mm-hmm. like I think this one ultimately is saved by its bigger ideas where I find Onward frustratingly conventional. But because Onward was so conventional, because it was such a road trip movie... Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it, the they idea needed that something conventional to fit in this like kind of weird fantasy world, so yeah, I'm a, a little okay. with I I,
1: under, I understand the mm. rationale for it. I just think ultimately it didn't pop. It's not a bad movie. I just Didn't love it, um, but like because it was so conventional and because it was hitting so many formulaic tropes, that sequence where the, where the hero realized that his older brother was more of a dad to him mm. than he realized and that he wasn't appreciating him enough, it actually struck a little more because the movie mm. was so. Kind of just generic until then. That that moment of genuineness was really was like oh yeah. It well,
0: was good on you, onward. Yeah and, yeah, and it was one of those things that made you think back over the film. It was like oh yeah, there was actually more going on than we were perhaps appreciating. But here, because he's he, ostensibly he's here
1: to like play that great jazz performance. But again, twenty two immediately starts appreciating life. And here is another thing that's really frustrating about this movie because. Like
0: I, well, I, is, we get is it, it be, 20, is it, the the whole that souls don't have senses. Yes, yeah, <laughs> this is weird. So yeah. here's
1: so the whole thing that twenty two is going to start appreciating life. We know that's going to happen because that's that's what an arc is. It's the only arc possible. So you're not going to get that wow moment because it's the only moment possible. Hmm. So we know it's coming on some level. You don't know how it's going to happen or how it's going to look like, but you know it's there. Um, we establish in the before realm the -hmm. realm where souls are just being created that souls don't have senses beyond their 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 sight and their their ears they they can't touch taste or smell yeah so okay they can't feel things so you can like you know throw one against the wall and i don't care because it doesn't matter they're not physical doesn't matter them. there's a whole like pavilion where the souls get to enter and it contains everything they could possibly encounter. And there, they're supposed to be inspired by something. Mm. They're supposed to find their
0: motivation,
1: their goal, they, they their, call purpose. It their They call
0: it their spark. And yeah. There's some conflating between spark and purpose in yeah. this movie. And that's actually a bit of a plot. Point.
1: It is a bit of a plot. Point. It's fine. Yeah. But my point is this, it's supposed to contain every experience you could possibly have on earth to prepare you for it and to give you something to to look for. Um, that senses Without,
0: is excluded from that. Yeah, seems so a like, when, when 22,
1: who claims to have experienced literally everything in there and still found nothing, eats a slice of pizza, like the first thing 22 does, when, when 22 has a body. And like, oh my god, this is delicious, how did I not know? That's an excellent question, because For a lot of people, people are like,
0: motivated by their senses. By the, yeah, It's the, a the fundamental thing- process i mean not everyone has all of them but like so are we saying that like massage therapists or chefs like that's like how could you illegitimate somehow i'm not exactly sure what they're saying you
1: imagine remy from ratatouille like Mm -hmm. i don't know if rats have souls in this universe we found out cats do so i guess rats do um (laughs) so like his spark probably had something to do with cuisine Mm -hmm. probably had something to do with taste or or that kind of life experience Probably, I don't know, but like there's a decent chance. But his whole thing was he experienced taste and that meant something to him, Mm. you know, texture, flavor, mouthfeel is a word that gets used a lot. As a soul, you're not allowed to have that. That seems like a pretty fucking weird oversight to not have that. Mm. And it feels like the only reason it feels like if they actually had all that in that pavilion, then you don't get this movie. So it feels like they, that they had to change the rules of the universe. It feels, to, this one actually feels to... overdeveloped because like in, in order to like get to that point, you have to create all of this mythology and then you have to work backwards to figure out like, how do we undo the mythology we created in order to get to the point where we actually have a film? Hmm. Well, maybe you made up too much stuff and maybe you need to scale it the fuck back and maybe you need to actually be more vague and more general and in order God. to, like, and, and not get in so much into the nitty gritty here because, man, they've created their whole fucking, a whole fucking theology here. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid and I saw the, uh, we mentioned it earlier, um, the Albert Brooks film Defending Your Life. That really blew my mind as a kid. <laughs> and to this day, and I'm an atheist, but to mm-hmm. this day, when I think of the afterlife, that's what I think of. Yeah. Because it makes sense to me. Yeah. It's just specific enough that it gives me to wrap my head around, but it's also not so detailed that I start shooting holes in it. Right. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, it's a great movie. Albert Brooks dies at the beginning of the film and he goes to
0: basically <clears throat> The afterlife is like a, a, a series of hotels surrounding a convention center.
1: Yeah, basically the idea is when you die, you have to defend your life. You have to In go a court and, of law. In yeah. a court of law. There's a couple of judges. You get a defense attorney. You get a prosecutor. The prosecutor says this person didn't make the most of their life, and the thing that they focus the most on is, did you were you able to conquer your fears and make the most of your life, whatever that meant. Hmm. And your defense attorney is there saying, look, they did. They did the best they could, and their good, and their best was good enough. And the worst case scenario is you you didn't conquer your fears. You didn't live your life to the fullest you got to go back and do it again and you
0: get reincarnated. That's mm. a punishment in this
1: universe. Yeah, that's the big the worst punishment you got. There's no hell.
0: You just might have to do it again. That which is uh, this is actually Buddhist philosophy. Yeah. Um if it once you're enlightened, you don't uh, reincarnate again. Exactly. You're you're
1: you, you did it. You, you good enough, basically. Uh and while you're in this like waiting area, um there's actually like tourist destinations and you get to see your past lives and the best conceit and boy does albert Brooks love this fantasy because you're no longer corporeal you get to eat as much as you want
0: yeah and, 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 it, it, and it's all the best food like it, it looks everything, ordinary, is amazing. But everything tastes great
1: like like seriously like you could just have like the shittiest diner food ever and it's the best burger you've ever tasted everything mm. is amazing
0: and the people are taking, like, piles of pies back yeah. to their hotel room. He,
1: or, he, he orders, uh, like, a side of broccoli at a restaurant. And it's this giant p- plate of perfectly, like, boiled <laughs> broccoli. and uh, Or steamed broccoli. And he's like, can I have a little cheese? Yeah, a little bit of cheese. Yeah. Gunk. <laughs> <Like> this giant <laughs> swath of the mm. most perfect cheese you've ever seen. Oh, it's amazing. But, like, it's well-crafted enough. It's smart enough about what it is. That it actually incorporated itself into my own personal mythology. And I think to myself sometimes, am I letting fear control my life? How am I going to defend this? Would I be able to defend this when all was said and done, whether whether it's to myself or a deity or or whatever, would I be able to say, I made a good decision here. I didn't let fear control my destiny.
2: Mm.
1: And I thought that was, I think that's relatively healthy. But I wonder if Pixar is thinking about how like we're telling kids what the afterlife is. And what life is all about. And unlike something like, say, Coco, which is actually steeped in a very specific culture, Mm. and the way that culture uh, portrays the afterlife. Coco,
0: much better film, by the way.
1: Infinitely better film. (laughs) Coco is amazing. But Coco is actually based on a very specific cultural idea of the afterlife. And that gives it its grounding. That gives it its its soul, if you will. Uh, Soul... We've we've scrubbed all the actual theology out of it. Mm. And so now it's just baseline, neutral, afterlife ideas. I'm not saying that's a problem, but what I am saying is that that this is clearly something that like I feel like again, these movies are aimed at young kids. Some kids are gonna glom onto this mm. and Boy, do I hope it doesn't screw them up. Boy, do I hope it's a yeah, positive well, thing. I don't know, but I hope it's positive yeah. because that's a big, heavy responsibility.
0: I've, I've been saying for years that uh, you know Pixar was picked up by Disney mm-hmm. at one point in their in their yeah uh, inception.
1: They've, they've, they've been Disney longer than they haven't been Disney. Yeah, at this point. like yeah. the
0: Disney distributes all Pixar. They are, however, their own sort of creative team. Uh, they mm. they make films and then Disney distributes. Um, uh, I'm and, not sure
1: how true like, that still is. I'm not sure how much, like, yeah.
0: there's, there's now, like, a lot more cross-pollination. Yeah. And the hope was that uh, Disney would bring more, or Pixar would bring more interesting ideas to Disney, which was... However, you look at it, kind of stagnant creatively. Mm. They just do the usual fairy tale stuff. Mm. When they try to do something really wild, nobody goes to see it. Like Meet the Robinsons mm. or, um, Treasure they, Planet, they, or Treasure Planet. Or Treasure yeah. Planet. Like the, those are these are ambitious, mm. different from what they're usually used to doing. But
1: yeah. they didn't, people they didn't aren't, say, Yeah, people, yeah, yeah, people just
0: aren't so interested in them. Yeah. Uh, and then they do something like uh, Wreck It Ralph, which is actually pretty creative, funny, slapstick idea, mm-hmm. like based in pop culture. Unlike anything mm. they've ever done, that felt more like a Pixar film.
1: I, th- I would say even uh, more so. Uh, Ralph breaks the internet, mm. which is also one of these things where we're gonna we're gonna literalize something that's kind of an abstract concept. If we think about it, yeah. and we're gonna give it character. And mm. actually, I, I took me a while to finally get around to watching that movie. I like that movie a lot. I think that movie does a lot of things right. Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah, it's I think good. that movie works.
0: I mean, there, there's fine. some... I do like the uh, the depiction of the dark web. Yeah. Which is pretty cute. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of good stuff in there. There's, uh, but... <clears throat> Unfortunately, that pollination also seems to be leaking into Pixar, and you see films like Brave, which feels very conventional, mm-hmm. especially for what they have been doing up to that point. I still think that movie gets a they bum start, rap. I like yeah. that movie, but
1: you're right; it's relatively mm-hmm. conventional. for They, they Pixar start doing
0: theaters. more and more sequels to their previous films. There's, mm-hmm. you know, four Toy Stories. I like the Toy Story movies. I like Toy Story 4 more than most people.
1: I think most uh, people. I, th- I think I'm actually in the minority on that one. I think most people like Toy Story okay, 4. I, I'm, I'm the one. I'm the. Grinch I really who loved like how that.
0: weird Toy Story 4 was. Uh, there's three Cars movies. <clears throat> that third Cars movie is fine. That's uh, a good but, movie. Actually, but like th- that's the that's idea funny. is they're they're not sort of ex- expanding as much. They do something like The Good Dinosaur, which is f- like forgettable Pixar. Yeah. How do they even do that? And yeah, now we're in this point where uh, Pixar, who has the power still to rip your bleeding heart out. In films like Coco and Inside mm. Out. Yeah. Uh, giving us a story where the only ambition is to tell this really kind of bland message mm-hmm. about appreciating the little things in life. Yeah. That feels like so basic to what they're
1: used to dealing it's, with. It's, it's, it's frustrating because I think what they're getting at is this sort of universality. You know, we can all appreciate life a little bit more. And I'm just like, yeah, but you don't need to spend like a billion dollars making that movie. Like, I, it's frustrating because ultimately, I think it's because it feels like from the get-go they were setting out to be profound, mm. like right from the beginning. Whereas there are films that I think actually achieve some level of profundity, in particular Coco, in particular Inside Out, Um it feels like they're telling a story and that story happens to reach profundity because mm. all of these big ideas are doing something interesting and new. Yeah. Soul ultimately doesn't do that much interesting and new. It's got some interesting ideas. They're beautifully visualized. The performances are all really, really good, mm. but yeah, it ultimately feels really small in a, in a but not in a good way. Yeah. Not an intimate way, not in a not in a we're gonna scale it back and get to the heart of humanity kind of way. It, it feels more calculated than it should. Yeah, yeah, and that's frustrating. it's a it's a bad no.
0: no, it's fine. No, it's but... not
1: bad, but i I wasn't moved
0: I, I the I way want... other
1: Pixar films have moved yeah, me. and this one's obviously trying to
0: and I, I well, yeah, it had this really creative setup, and I wanted I wanted it to destroy me, and it didn't. and that's always a, a disappointment yeah.
1: uh, well, let's move on to a very different movie.
0: Okay, well, they're all different now, but Well, yes.
1: hold on. It, it actually has some parallels with Wonder Woman because right. it's also about vigilante justice and <laughs> uh, you know people taking revenge on those mm. who assault them. Uh, uh, let's talk about uh, the new film from Emerald Fennell, Promising Young Woman, which mm. stars Carrie Mulligan uh, as a woman who drops out of med school, and we don't know why initially. And what we do know is that she spends her spare time going out to clubs pretending to be blackout drunk and waiting to see if men try to take her home with them. And then right when they try to assault her, she snaps out of it and and just calls character. Yeah. Yeah. And then just calls them on and makes them insecure. And we find out over the course of the film, why she does this Mm. and also what her larger agenda is. And it is a story of revenge. It is a Mm. story of grief. Uh, and it is
0: more than anything it's a story of bloody righteous indignation yeah it is uh this is a film where that wears that indignation boldly in every frame and Carrie Mulligan is awesome in this film
1: yeah she is uh
0: Bearing that outrage in every single moment, uh, people initially uh, react with a lot of concern because she's kind of withdrawn. She's really angry a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. She she's starts clearly going you know, through a lot. Yeah. Um, even even her boss uh, at, at the co- she works at a coffee shop mm-hmm. now, It's you know, it's a barista. It's not mm-hmm. a very glamorous job. She's barely mm-hmm. paying bills. She lives with her parents. Her, her parents- boss is
1: played by Laverne Cox, mm-hmm. who I love whenever mm-hmm. I see her in anything.
0: La- Laverne Cox is wonderful. Uh, I think this is one of the rare instances where we have a trans performer. Uh, whose gender is never mentioned.
1: Never mentioned. It's not
0: an yeah. issue at all, and yeah. I love that kind of just uh, gender blind casting. It's great. Yeah. Uh, she's living with her parents. Her parents are played played by uh, Clancy Brown
1: and Jennifer Coolidge. and Jennifer Coolidge, yeah. and
0: they're kind of condescending to her in the beginning of the movie. They give her a, a special birthday gift of a suitcase, mm-hmm. saying, mm, "You should move out
1: now." That's the implication. Yeah. yeah. You're, um, you're you're getting on. Yeah. You should you should. Carve your own destiny, Dana. Uh,
0: but she has this, uh, I guess, this vigilante habit where she's uh, stalking, shaming, and, like, confronting all these yeah. men. And I, I don't want to say why, because all of the reasons why she's doing this, A, are uh, completely justified and make her actions seem like this ingenious power fantasy that we all wish we had thought of first. yeah. Uh, and the way her ploy eventually plays out is both insanely tragic
2: mm-hmm.
0: and unbelievably brilliant. I and love this movie so much. I'm so glad you like it too. Both of those notes. Perfectly and simultaneously.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is one of the best movies Ooh. of the year. I'm, I'm <laughs> it's absolutely, so good. I'm absolutely yeah. just astounded by how, because this is a movie that honestly could have gotten by just unrighteous indignation. It yeah. would just we would we would have had it. You would, we would have been on your side, and you could have like had so many things we could just gloss over if they weren't perfect. And yet everything about it works. It's in, it's interestingly filmed
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, in a way that uh, just calls out from the get-go that all of this movie is intentional. There's nothing about this that hasn't been yeah. thought out. Uh, and it all comes together beautifully.
0: I believe this is Emerald Fennel's first uh, film, feature film as a director, right. although she was very heavily involved in um, like a hit TV show uh, uh, Killing Killing Eve. Killing Eve, which v- I Very seen, critically acclaimed. So, uh, I haven't
1: seen that one either. Although, after I watched Promising a Woman, I'm like, I gotta watch that fucking yeah, show.
0: But she's also uh, been an actress for most of her career, yeah. so it makes sense that uh, she would create this uh, wonderful project that is an acting powerhouse for the lead character
1: yeah yeah and, and Carrie and, Mulligan and, and indeed really a vigilante it, yeah. whose superpower is acting yeah, more or less yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but uh, yeah this is a movie that like should like it, it, once you like hear the premise or see the trailer yeah. you think this is going to be grindhouse
0: yeah it, and it's it, not it, it, grindhouse it, could re- it, there, it was like The premise is this close to bungling the gender politics. Yeah. But this does not make a false step.
1: Never once. And it's really super impressive. This is a movie that is... It's a vigilante revenge movie that doesn't feel exploitative. And how Mm. fucking hard is that? Yeah. Especially considering the subject material here, where the subject material is sexual assault, which is, frankly, most of the time when people make a movie in what we call uh, the rape and revenge genre, which is a very harsh genre, even when it's done well, Mm. which is rare... Um, it tends to come across yeah, exploitative in a very negative way.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing: men typically direct those exactly. movies, exactly. And uh, there's there tends to be a, an element of prurience, even if yeah. during all of the violence scenes. Yeah. Like even when somebody is being assaulted, it it does have this kind of gross uh, this, eye to it. This
1: is something that uh, um, I was um, my wife and partner Michelle. Yeah. Uh, she uh, she writes under the name M Lampas de Silva, and she has a new book out this year. Uh, called hooker which is about a uh, sex worker uh, who becomes a vigilante she fights with hooks uh, to fight a misogynistic serial killer in 1980s los angeles and it's a great book it's available now it's on I, i'm obviously you know i'm not reviewing I, 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 well, two it's close to I it, up, it yeah. but like i i think it's it's every review of it has been excellent so far um and it's at barnes and noble and amazon and such but Um, While she was prepping it and getting ready to write it and and plotting it, we watched a lot of uh, those kinds of exploitation films. Um, A lot of them films about um, sex workers and vigilante justice, films like uh, Vice Squad or the Angel series. And there is this thing where, yeah, the vast majority of them are made by men and a vast majority of them aren't really about the woman's experience. No. They're not. They're just this. They're largely performative. Uh, they largely let the actual vengeance wait until the final act, which means that for the majority of the story, all we're getting is mm. the suffering. And there's something that's just uncomfortable yeah. about that, as though that's what we're supposed to be enjoying. Uh, here, it's all the vengeance, it's yeah, all like, the like, righteousness. It, it, yeah. it, I, I think Michelle's book is, is his own thing, I, but like, this is a really good version of it too. Yeah, yeah, I
0: love it. Um there was a film I saw is a 2018 film called Simply Revenge which oh, yeah. which was of, of the same genre yeah. uh, and it, it wisely eschews the actual uh, act yeah. of violence at the beginning like yeah. like it, we, we, we we are we're we happening yeah. but but yeah the camera doesn't like look at it and uh um, yeah. the rest of that movie is much more about uh her survival and yeah. her experience rather than the man yeah actually depicting the violence
1: against women Mm. you gotta ask yourself who is that for and why Mm. is that necessary for the story and 99 times out of 100 it isn't michelle Mm. specifically wrote her book so as not to depict all that violence against women if there is any it's off camera and it's hardly any like that's not the point Mm. this is from a this is from a perspective that this genre doesn't get very often uh the music choices are astounding
0: this <laughs> there, is a there, great sound there is a cover of britney spears toxic which is used to great effect <laughs> oh my god it's so it sounds
1: like a bernard herman score
0: so
1: <laughs> um yeah they find a great use for uh, paris hilton's single yes they that's do that's great um yeah everything about this movie it's so particular and it really does feel like this is one of we've seen a few cinematic you know directorial debuts this year but this mm. is one of the few that really does feel like here's someone who's coming into feature filmmaking with a clear voice, mm-hmm. someone who is making every choice because it's the right thing to do, not because it's an experiment, not because they're just learning, but because I this and again, Emerald Fennel worked a lot in TV, so yeah, you know, they not coming from nowhere. But boy, is this assured? And this is just mm-hmm. a brilliant screenplay. Mm-hmm. It, Everything about this movie
0: works. In terms of like, uh, like where it falls in her career, I was thinking a lot of Get Out. Like yes. an established actor now moves into essentially genre filmmaking, but really does something interesting with mm-hmm. some new ideas, smarter, I thematically
1: just, rich. I,
0: I'm crossing yeah. my fingers and hope Emerald Fennel doesn't pull an Us on us, where you know like, it has I like 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 a, a lot of really cool, interesting ideas that don't connect in any kind of and meaningful way. I will say this:
1: I, I will say this for Us. Us, maybe, maybe. I, I would say this: Us is sloppier than yeah. Get Out. I still think yeah. it works, but I would i would think it's, it's like, fair to say that Get Out is so, like, perfectly polished mm. that something that is imperfectly polished but still amazing can't help but feel pale comparison. Mm. But, like, I still think it's good. But, like, regardless, Promising a Woman, incredible screenplay. People should study the screenplay. It's so mm. interesting and inventive and effective and everything pays off and everything is excellent like, I
0: said, it. like like somehow simultaneously tragic and exhilarating yeah it's it emotionally really rich it, yeah. while
1: being you know exciting in that very much um uh pulp movie kind of way mm. it's boy is, is it fantastic <laughs> please see this movie yeah. it's intense but please see this movie Alright, uh, then the last couple of films that we're reviewing this week are films that only one of us saw. Okay. I'm just going to let you take the next two. So tell me right. about uh, the new
0: Netflix film, oh. Midnight Sky. Yeah, the, the Midnight Sky is uh, the, the new film from, uh, starring and directed by George Clooney. Oh, he directs movies now. Uh, he's done a couple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's actually done a few really good movies. Uh, he, uh, he directed Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, which I really liked. And he did Good Night and Good Luck, which I really liked. Um, what, what was his other film? Um, Monuments Men. That's right, Monuments Men, which is okay. <laughs> didn't he do a... Hold on. Hmm.
1: Sorry, I went to get water and I kind of just motioned to Whitney to <laughs> for a minute.
0: But uh, uh, didn't that he do that? To correct what was Monument that movie he stuff? did?
1: Wasn't he doing like a football movie? Oh, Leatherheads. Leatherheads.
0: I, 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 did I see... It? I think I saw Leatherheads. I don't remember anything about it. Um, but yeah, he he's actually director an, an interesting path as a director, yeah, because he seems to be exploring different genres. At first, like did his he do first two... of *March*, too. Did he direct that, or we just act on that. Which one? Ides of March*. He did not direct that. Oh, thought he did. Oh wait, did he direct? Oh no, maybe he did direct Ides of March*. I'm going to look Alan. it up. But yeah, he seems to be exploring a lot of different uh, genres as he as he goes forward. This is his science fiction film. Uh, he is. Yep, he... George Klein directed them. He plays an astral scientist who, as a young man, and he's old enough now that we need other actors to play him as a young man. So as as a young man, he's played by Ethan Peck, who plays Spock on the new Star Trek series. Um, He discovered a new moon orbiting Jupiter. And evidently, this moon is really uh, an aberration in astral physics in that it's it's a volcanic activity has somehow allowed it to heat from the inside and it's able to form an atmosphere and it may be inhabitable by humans and uh so there's a mission out to explore that uh meanwhile uh there's a chiron this is like in the 2040s that says it's several years since the incident there's been some sort of incident and the earth is essentially doomed uh, there's a lot of survivors who have gone on, on ships and launched out already. And we understand that the earth is pretty much fucked. And George Clooney is now, uh, dying of a terminal illness. He needs blood transfusions on the regular and he's decided, you know, if he's doomed, he's just going to stay and see out the, the final days on earth, uh, while he oversees, uh, and, uh, like a research station mm. on, on, one of the poles. Uh, Who should be at the research station but a child that was left behind? The child doesn't speak. It's very much like Newt in Aliens. Uh, Meanwhile, we cut to uh, the mission that was going to check out that Jupiterian moon on the way back from their mission. And on there is David Oyelowo and Felicity Jones and uh, uh, Damien Bachir and a couple other actors who are essentially just living life on their ship and questioning their life choices and talking about stuff. Okay. This is... Borrowing from a lot of movies you've already seen, without it sounds offering. a lot of and, familiar. Yeah. yeah, so we're we're thinking Interstellar here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're thinking um uh, Sunshine, Sunshine. Yeah, that that was the one. Yeah, um, the, the the Danny Boyle film. Mm-hmm. A lot of just like life on a spaceship. I was thinking a little bit of uh, Passengers for a few mm-hmm. minutes. Sounds a little uh,
1: bit like Solaris, which is also I mean the George Clooney version.
0: Yeah, Steven Soderbergh made that one. Yeah, but but, yeah, that, uh, but that was
1: like a pensive. Yeah you know, science fiction Um, drama in space. This
0: is not so pensive. This is actually a little bit more conventional and approachable. And it's kind of upsetting that it's bringing no ideas to this setup. The idea that earth is dying out and that there are some people coming back with some information that may or may not help doesn't really have this overbearing sense of doom that George Clooney is kind of shooting for.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Nor does it seem to be inviting a lot of really heady philosophy about the meaning of extinction or what happens when humanity might be doomed or uh, what it means to have an inhabitable planet somewhere out there that may or may not be reachable. This is not silent running. (laughs) No, that doesn't sound like it. That's not a, no, I, I, I want I, another I, I, Silent I, Running And I, and I remember but, reacting kind of negatively to Silent Running But I'm watching this movie saying God, Silent Running was so good silent running,
1: <laughs> silent running, if you're not familiar with what we're talking mm. about It's um, a movie we covered a while ago On an episode of Episode Zero And it's a movie about how in the future We have messed up The uh, the uh, environment so badly That there's only a few forests left And they're actually in these like Arboretums in space and there's only like one person who even gives a shit about them mm-hmm. and he will do anything possible to protect the plants and animals on these ships, even though he's being actively told to destroy them because no one cares anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a depressing allegory. Um, But the thing with that, though, is that that's like, oh, if only the movie had been this as what it is, this sort of mm. you say it's kind of conventional.
0: Yeah. Is it good for that? Well, it it does take a lot of those sort of like uh, cold, empty interiors, like The Last of Humanity being just this, uh, essentially an empty cafeteria. Uh, It takes a lot of those images uh, pretty well. Like it it stages them and has a good sense of these spaces. I do appreciate sort of the design of the craft and a lot of the idea of, where we reside as the species is perhaps on the brink of blinking out
2: mm-hmm.
0: might bring a little bit of idea to sort of what, the environments that we've created and how we've kind of destroyed our Earth environment. But that's like a little incidental detail mm. that's not really brought up in dialogue. And the identity of the girl is eventually revealed. You can predict the the identity of the girl uh, the relationship he has with Felicity Jones might be up for question. There's something like, it's so straightforward. You think there's something more going on. Like there's some sort of underhanded twist that he threw in on you, some kind of weird chronological thing. Like, it, Oh, it turns out that like, this is generations hence and people have come mm-hmm. back, uh, you know, in, in the far more distant, like they would have pulled a, something like an interstellar where like a lot more time had passed and he gets to meet mm-hmm. his daughter as an adult uh spoilers on Interstellar. Oh, that
2: movie's uh, old now. Yeah, people
0: know that one. It's like half day. Also that's long. not much of a twist in Interstellar. No. Well, it's pretty clear. Um Interstellar I, I can appreciate Interstellar for having like a big idea, like love is the thing that's missing from the like unified field theorem of the universe. It doesn't really work because Christopher Nolan isn't that kind of a filmmaker. You, you
1: get you get the you get the impression that he believes in the unified field theory, but not love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but
0: then he argues that love is the thing that's missing.
1: All the science stuff in that movie mm-hmm. and the way that it's realized and like planets that like operate on different timetables than the space around them, all that shit's amazing. Yeah, the yeah. robots are amazing. All like the realization of like we're going to try to like, like the, for the, the practical sci-
0: realism of, of astral the, the yeah.
1: scientific, the idea of like when 2001 came out, mm-hmm. it was like, we're going to take science fiction as seriously as possible. We're going to be as realistic as we possibly can. We're going to be as grounded as we possibly can. And in, in the betrayal of actual space travel, that's what interstellar does really well for the, for a day when we know more about mm-hmm. black holes and we know more about space travel and relativity and all that kind of stuff. All that shit's amazing, but man, does the story not work. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> it's so frustrating <laughs> to me. There's so much cool shit in to that the... movie, and it just doesn't resonate with me mm-hmm. at all. To, to
0: this day, we still sort of mockingly yell, don't go, Murph. <laughs> uh, this is like Interstellar Junior. Oh, it's <laughs> like, it, it, it's it's trying to brush up against the big infinite ideas, but it, it's not even reaching that hard. That's nah, too bad uh, George Clooney seems to be too affable a filmmaker. He's trying to make it a little bit too human, mm-hmm. a little bit too much about the conversation and the people rather than bigger ideas. Now, a movie like The Martian was able to get away with that mm. because the situation was so desperate in that movie. It was actually a good uh, obfuscation of the tension in something like The Martian. This one, people just get bored about 80 minutes into the film and they sing a karaoke version of Sweet Caroline. Which Um, I guess will survive until the 2050s. Okay, you know what? Yeah. Sweet Caroline... Mm. Just for that... Ba, ba, ba. Every bar,
1: (laughs) always. There will be people singing Sweet Caroline Mm. in the future. Like, people sing, like, sea chanties now. Like, blow the man down. That will last... That will last forever. That will be... Mary has Mm -hmm. a little lamp. That will last. Mm. Okay? Not everything will. But anything with that kind of... Anything with that kind of ba ba ba, anything with that kind of thing, where everyone in the entire crowd will come in, like Eddie Izzard talks about with Twelve Days of Christmas,
0: <laughs> the five golden rings. Yeah, yeah, you just come in five
1: gold rings. The rest of it doesn't matter. Five gold rings mean that shit will last for an eternity, and that's what ba 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 is. The Sweet Caroline, ba ba ba, and Sweet Caroline means that thing is going to last forever. Star Wars will be forgotten. And they'll still be singing Sweet Caroline.
0: <laughs> okay, fine.
1: Okay. Don't uh, mess with my belief system, is my point.
0: The problem is, even though uh, George Clooney seems to be focusing on that sort of good-natured conversational aspect of his characters, yeah. it never has the kind of humane spark that I think he's going for. Yeah, uh, They're having these conversations, but I don't get a richer sense as to who these people are beyond a conversation on a page. Hmm. They, they, it feels like it strikes me as a little bit phony. That's frustrating. Uh, and yeah, when that's frustrating, especially when he's going for something kind of ambitious, but then he's scaling back his own ambition. He's hmm. actually like reaching that far Yeah, as a performer. He's doing okay. He's, uh, Sporting one of the most spectacular beards I've ever seen. Mm. Uh it's like down down to his like uh have you seen what Alonso Duralde's beard looks like? Oh my days? god, it looks amazing. It, it's a creature unto itself. It it's has woodland creatures living in it. The
1: only the uh, only person in our field, mm. in our field of like range of experience, mm. whose COVID beard is is as good, if not better, than Alonso <laughs> Duralde's, Mark Edward Hoy.
0: He's got a pretty spectacular beard. His beard, as beard well. is and astounding. Uh, and, uh, I'm Col- mad at him for not growing COVID a beard, beard. before <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad at Mark for not growing
1: a beard before Mark I know Wait, you're listening he, he
0: did once before oh no no not uh... not like
1: this <laughs> this is a special this is this is like oof it, good look <laughs> all right I've been growing out my beard this entire time it looks terrible compared to Alonzo Deralde and Mark who like thank you for blessing our our worlds and our timelines oh, so
0: We'll we'll remember this because uh, George Clooney's beard matches the times. Nice, it's a timely movie. Nice. It's the movie we need right now.
1: Great. Now that's going to be in the fucking Oscar. Yeah, go for it. It's thing. fine. Just okay. Take me out
0: of context. Quote me. <laughs> take me out of context. Hey, <laughs> hey publicists, they've done it before. <laughs>
1: All right, let's move on. Uh, tell me about uh, and this is a movie I was actually I really wanted to see this, and I just ran out of time. Uh, News of the World, starring Tom Hanks, directed by Paul Greengrass, and it's Thank a you. western.
0: It's it's a western. It's a Ron Howard western, but it's directed by Paul Greengrass.
1: Oh, okay. Paul, Gre- what does that mean? Paul
0: Greengrass and Ron Howard should have switched this movie and Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, okay, dude. because yeah. because this is you the you know least... Ron Howard
1: directed a western right? Oh, the
0: missing, the missing, the missing yeah, yeah, which is okay. It's fine. Uh, kind of forgettable actually it it, Anyways, it, it it's, it's, you, you can like, watch it but you, it, yeah. you won't remember it enough. um but this is like the least paul greengrass i've ever seen it paul greengrass great. because paul greengrass is uh pretty well known for some some of his more terse action pictures or just terse thrillers because he did yeah. captain phillips with you, with tom hanks in the past great movie great uh great movie one of tom hanks better performances frankly yep and that's saying something uh, that, just that scene at the end where he breaks down it's oh, really wonderful
1: worth it Whole uh,
0: thing, yeah. but he's also done like a couple of the Bourne movies oh, he did most he's... of the
1: Bourne movies he did Bourne mm. 2, 3 then and do f- Legacy and then he did just Jason Bourne and then, then he did 5 and, yeah. and he's
0: known for like a lot of shaky cam he hates to, to, mm. you, to, don't show me a tripod throat away yeah uh, kind of filmmaking you are uh, there and you yeah. are a <laughs>
1: documentarian he... with who 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 hasn't eaten today and is feeling a little shaky. Did
0: United 93. So he's also yeah. like really kind of uh, staunchly political. Yep. He's a very political filmmaker. I think his last film was, um, uh, uh, what was Green, it called? The Green Zone? Not no, Green, the, Zone? Not Green no, that, Zone. It we'll was the, I, I forgot the title of oh, it. I thought was it was, that um, movie was Jason Bourne. No, no. He did the one about, it was a, a Netflix film about the, the massacre at the uh, uh, UN oh. uh, training camp.
1: I don't even remember that coming out. How did I didn't yeah, miss that? D- d- it was, it was oh, 22 tw- July. 20,
0: 22nd July. I reviewed okay. that one. Um, I don't know
1: how I missed that. I don't, yeah, really... it, was, it, was, it
0: was this big uh, true life event where this mad gunman broke into this camp of oh, uh, diplomats and training young people okay. and, and killed a lot of them. And it was okay. about uh, not just about the massacre itself, but also the ethical dilemma of letting this guy speak on the stand after he'd been apprehended. Oh, he did that weird movie, The
1: Theory of Flight, with Kenneth Branagh and Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. That was like before (laughs) he knew knew who he was. I totally forgot about that. That's crazy.
0: Um, But, uh, yeah, this one, he's working in sort of high Hollywood mode. Everything's really locked down. Everything's really well composed. It's incredibly well photographed with this glittering sort of milieu uh, by uh, Darius Volsky is the name of the cinematographer. Very
1: good cinematographer, Darius Um, Volsky.
0: Tom Hanks plays a man who's been making his living just after the Civil War, traveling from town to town, reading from newspapers. Ah. Uh, because not everybody has newspapers. They're not so widely circulated. People don't get news of the world any other way. So he uh, charges people like uh, to sit in a theater and he'll read from newspapers and he gets to pocket the cash. It's a modest living and he's connecting people with, world, with the world in a dramatic sort of way. Uh, this is conflating the idea... That news needs to be entertaining. Mm. Now, this is a very modern notion, but it's also a very ancient notion that this film is arguing. That this is something that is uh, endemic to uh, the way Americans get information. The story of the film is uh, he finds a young girl. She's about nine years old, and she only speaks German. And she has, uh, very much like in the film The Searchers, has been raised by uh, the local Indian tribes. And she, when uh, uh, some horrible cataclysm happens with the people she's living with, she now is taken into the care of Tom Hanks and he has to transport her back to uh, her family, uh, some German mm-hmm. immigrants who live very, very far away, yeah. who, have, who haven't seen her for many, many years. Right. So we, we don't even know who they are or if they'll accept her, but that's that's his mission. Yeah. And as a it's this sort of picaresque as sort of the dark adventures he gets to into along the way in one of the stops. And I think this is supposed to be the crux of the whole film. He stops to read the news and the local, uh, mayor or gang leader type character hes sort of both in this little town has given him his own news to read. And he's written this, his own book about with all of this racist propaganda and about how great he is. And he says, you need to read this. This is real news. And he says, actually, news is more about connecting people to reality, not to your stories. And there's a little bit of a dramatic tension there between uh, Tom Hanks and and this guy. That sounds like a whole movie. That should have been the whole movie. But there's a lot of filler on either side of it. There's a big gun battle that follows that that takes place over the course of, like, the next day in terms of the film's chronology. Okay. And then ultimately it, it is about the fate of this young girl and how uh, Tom Hanks has sort of come to care about her and has to let her go. Uh, I, I'm having a little bit, because, uh, as I've said, Paul Greengrass is a fiercely political director, director. Yeah. And I'm trying to suss out his politics here. Is he trying to say that news has to be entertaining in a positive way for it to be true? Or is he saying that You know, using news as entertainment is actually a dangerous thing because propaganda can easily be slipped into that? The thing is, the Tom Hanks character is never really tempted or becomes corrupt in any sort of significant yeah. way through the course of this story. Yeah. So I'm not really sure... Well, if he's incorruptible, like, yeah. if he's incorruptible, mm.
1: and again I haven't seen this one, mm. but let me ask you this: if he's incorruptible, then one could argue also by virtue of the fact that they cast Tom Hanks, who is one of the most trusted faces in media, yeah. um, that whatever he espouses, it's probably what the movie espouses. Mm. But is, or does it not feel that way?
0: Well, it it feels that way, but at the same time, I can't help but uh, think there's a, a note of irony that we're supposed to be taking from this. Mm. That uh, his view toward reading the news is a little bit, uh, a, a little bit sensational unto itself. Mm. Uh, ultimately, though, it's a very sort of uh, almost conventionally touching sort of story. Mm. Uh, Tom Hanks' performance is great. Uh, the young girl is played by an actress named. Uh, let me look up her name. Uh, Helena Zengel, she's a young German mm. actress. Uh, she's very, very good. And th- the clunky scenes that I've seen in other movies where people who speak different languages learn to bond over little things are actually handled very well here, especially because of uh, Hanks and Helena Zengel have really good chemistry together. Mm. Uh, and I appreciate that. I appreciate sort of the, the natural uh, naturalness of this uh, proto-parental relationship that starts to form between the two of them. Oh, and I appreciate you know the the grandness of the photography. They really make it look like this big sort of wonderful glittering old west vistas mm-hmm. that I haven't seen in a movie since the Hateful Eight. And the Hateful Eight was wielded in sort of a weird way, like the a gorgeous photography. To what end we can discuss? Well, but, but, but uh,
1: also mostly took place inside yeah. like a cabin
0: yeah, Paul Greengrass is actually like trying to wield photography in a positive way, which okay. I don't see in a lot of films, even Westerns and even larger outdoorsy kinds of movies. So I, I liked a lot of the technical, technical aspects and a lot of the smaller, uh, intimate human moments. I think those are handled very well and don't feel like Paul Greengrass at all. Uh, maybe I'm just trying to find more in this film than there really is. Maybe it's simpler than all that. Hmm. Which is kind of out of character for a film of this uh, stature. Ultimately, as you can tell from my description, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of really excellent things in it, but I'm try- still trying to suss out what the ultimate thrust of something like News of the World is supposed to be.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, last, uh, let's wrap this one up. We started off with a big superhero movie starring Pedro Pascal. Uh, let's end up with a big superhero movie starring Pedro Pascal. <laughs> he's everywhere, isn't he? He is. Uh, he's also the Mandalorian. He's just uh, he's just the guy of the hour, and I like him a lot. And I liked him in Wonder Woman. And I like him here too. He plays a supporting role in this one. This is We Can Be Heroes, a new movie from writer director Robert Rodriguez, uh, which is a it's a sequel to his film The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl in three D,
0: which which I saw in three D.
1: Uh, I actually missed that one. Fortunately, uh, this movie, you really don't need to see anything else to just fall on this film. (laughs) Sharkboy and Lavagirl are both in it. In fact, we actually meet uh, their young daughter, uh, a a young girl named Guppy, who has got some of uh, her father's powers and some of her mother's powers. Um, And she's totally the Wolverine of this superhero team (laughs) because, like, she's got, like... In addition to having, like, way too many powers, like, she can control water and, like, create, like, flying sharks out of water that she can ride. But she's also got, like, super strength and super shark teeth and she'll go into, like, a shark frenzy where she keeps beating people up. She's, like, six. So already we've got a great breakout character here. This is a story about uh, a group of superheroes called the Heroics. It's the Avengers of this fictional superhero universe. Um Shark Boy and Lava Girl are are characters in that team. Uh we also have uh characters like Miracle Guy, uh played by Boyd Holbrook. Um Pedro Pascal is a member of the team. Christian Slater plays a character named Techno. Alright. Uh Sung Kang from the Fast and Furious movies mm-hmm. plays their His superhero name is is uh, Blinding Fast. Um and uh yeah, they're all superheroes, they're all uh kind of divas. They're, they they love attention. They love cameras. They've saved the day. They've never been defeated, but right. they're bickery, and yeah, they're not really, like, great together. It's just like having a whole bunch of was, uh, different movie stars in the same
0: press tour. That was not an element of Sharkboy and Lava Girl. Mm, I the, think it is. Concerned with their image, because they were, mm. like, 13 in that Well, area.
1: Sharkboy and Lava Girl seem actually, like, spared mm. from that perspective. Okay. Like, it seems like they actually have... They actually don't... Say anything like Lava Girl has a couple of lines, Shark Boy has no lines, near as I can tell, which I think is hiding the fact that, whereas, um, oh, what's her name? Something Taylor Dooley, uh, who was the original Lava Girl from the mm-hmm. movie. Uh, she's back But Taylor Lautner Played Shark Boy In the original movie And they didn't get Taylor Lautner back So it's I think too, maybe Too big a star now Maybe Maybe I don't know uh, Maybe he was just busy Who can say But in any case He doesn't have any dialogue And I mean, maybe just that's said hiding not, The fact that Taylor <laughs> Lautner Isn't
0: back Just said I'm not Putting that shark suit Back on
1: uh, But in any case The plot of the movie is uh, Aliens have invaded Earth Big tentacle aliens With big tentacle UFOs That fly around And attack hmm. everybody And they have abducted All of the adult Superheroes all of the child superheroes, all of the children oh. of those heroes, who like while their parents are off on missions, are at like this kind of like, like Thunderbird dayca- Islands. Yeah, and- no, no, they're in like a daycare in like Avengers Tower. Oh, okay. They're like they're all like they're all just like thrown into a room together and told like just I don't know do lessons on your iPad. There's no adult supervision, which is weird, but uh, they all have superpowers. Some of these superpowers are really fun. Uh, there's a kid there's a kid named Wildcard who has a whole bunch of superpowers, but he never knows which one he's gonna use. <laughs> so he, he can barely use them. Um, there's a guppy is of course a delight. Uh, there's a character who uh, uh, can rewind time like yeah, something happens hard, and yeah. go back to like go back like 10, 15 mm-hmm. seconds and his twin sister who can fast forward time. They're a All fun right. they're a fun group. There's a kid who can like change his face like a cartoon character. Um, there's, uh, uh, a young girl who can, uh, she, she can sing and like, you know, pierce your eardrums, but she can also like sing at such a low register that she can like float you off the ground with the vibrations and stuff. These are all really fun ideas. So all the adults have been kidnapped and now it's up to these young superheroes to save them, you know, kind of like spy kids, but with
0: superheroes. I was about to say this, this is the spy Kids story. It's very,
1: very much spy kid. You know, here's the thing though. Spy kids rocked. Yeah, Spy Kids is really good. First Spy Kids in particular, excellent hmm. movie, and it's a perfectly good framework for another superhero movie. And I'm not going to begrudge Robert Rodriguez for revisiting a theme, especially <laughs> when it works both times. We Can Be Heroes is it's a little on the cheap side. Hmm. I don't think it's it, that anything anyone would particularly argue with that. Uh, but it is clever. It's got a great young cast. It actually uses uses their various superpowers with more imagination than we see in a lot of the bigger blockbusters. There's right. actually, like, conversations see, I, I, in this. I appreciate
0: that. Yeah. If you're going to introduce a superpower, use it in a clever way. Yeah, keep finding new ways mm. to use
1: it. And, something that we rarely get to see in our team-up movies, find a way to have those powers interact with other powers on the team. Use them together mm. effectively. This is actually, like, just good, solid comic book storytelling got a wonderful young cast they all inter- they all interact with each other well. they all have strong personalities. um the story is very simple mm-hmm. it's it's a kids' movie, but it's a very good kids movie okay, and which I actually think like yeah. I have a couple of like minor quibbles about how well that scene wasn't handled very well and maybe but, the ending is a little too easy. but honestly, it's been a while since I've seen a superhero movie. That is specifically for younger audiences, not just like everyone can enjoy it, but like specifically for young people. That isn't a t like there's a lot of TV shows, but about movies that is smartly written, Mm -hmm. engaging, does some unique things with the genre. Look, Robert Rodriguez is really hit and miss. I think we can all agree on this.
0: Oh, for sure. For throughout
1: his whole career, mm -hmm. like he can make classics and he can make crap this is this is one of the more entertaining like mythologies he's tried to come up with i would actually like i really would love to see more in this universe it's just really charming it's got a good heart to it and very funny and
0: yeah i just liked it something about shark boy and lava girl was actually it was an idea he came up with uh with his kids yeah Uh, he like was talking to them about like what kind of story they wanted to see and they came up with these superhero characters themselves, Shark Sharkboy yeah. and Lava Girl, and so we decided to make a movie about that. They also, from what I understand, also helped come up with the story, yeah. which has a lot to do with like dreams and the power of dreaming and how some things might not be real because you're dreaming them. Uh, and that, f- it, as a result, that film feels—and uh, I mean this in, in a complimentary sort of way—very childish. Yeah, it has this uh, fantastical quality that you can tell is being made up by a ten-year-old. Mm. And I think that that's very charming, even though it's like a, a sloppy, weird movie. Yeah. It does have a, an honesty to it. There's something we, that we,
1: again, almost all kids' media is made by adults. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're filtering kids' ideas through those adults, and sometimes it comes across better than others. The Princess Bride was a story William Goldman came up with with his daughter or son, I forget, but it was yeah. with his kids. Um, and that just happened to turn out amazing monster trucks was an idea that someone's kid came up with in memory serves and you know what that movie's cute as fuck that
0: that That movie works It was a huge bomb but it is pretty good that's an Uh, entertaining flick that movie is not as bad as everyone assumed it would be i enjoyed it a squid monster is the engine of my car i feed it gas and it gets high (laughs) (laughs) but sometimes it's also Uh, junk and and fortunately this is not one of those times uh, House, 1977 film, was yeah, yeah, yeah. In, informed very much by a, a child's input. Exactly. Sort of things yeah. a child might be afraid of. Yeah, that's a horror movie. It's a great horror movie, but it's, it's really fucking it's, weird. It's a fucking nightmare is what it is. Yeah. In a great great sort of way. Uh, so yeah. I can appreciate that kind of sloppiness if it feels uh, like kids are communicating with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, this does, doesn't does feel this sloppy. This, okay. No, no, this doesn't feel sloppy. This feels, more like spy kids. This feels
1: quite polished. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's because Rodriguez's kids are older now yeah Yeah, yeah. maybe it's not you know 10 year olds aren't telling the story it was in
0: 2005 if i recall yeah it's
1: been 15 years so uh but yeah this has a little bit more of a polish to it but i gotta tell you man it's really really nice to see an uncomplicated superhero movie that just tells its story remembers that its characters have to actually care about things and interact with each other and not just go through the plot um that remembers that superheroes are supposed to be cool, Hmm. that they're not supposed to be, like... That they're supposed to be heroic and not, like, awful, you know? Or violent. Or Or violent, violent. like, yeah, it's actually, like... And again, there's a place for that. But sometimes it feels like we've moved so far into that realm that we forgot that on some level these were... Many of them were designed to be, originally, stories for young people. And it's good to have stories... That capture that, and frankly, it's good to have stories that feel new because we can't. If this genre is gonna last as long as people want it to, you gotta have new characters once in a while, man. It can't all be Spider-Man and Batman. They're just gonna
0: well, they're they're just gonna bring back all the Spider-Mans at once. I realize that only solution. I'm not
1: saying that's not fun, but we also need new stories, and a lot of people are making the new stories, and this is one of the better examples. And I think you know. Adults who think everything's got to be grim and gritty will reject this. But if you don't, I think you'll have a good time watching this kid's movie. And if you have kids, okay. it's a really good movie. Well, so I, I liked it a lot, actually. Okay. So just it's a, it was a nice little breath of fresh air, especially considering like everything coming out right now is really intense. It's Oscar type stuff or it's big blockbusters that are trying to shake you to your bones. And just a nice little breath of fresh air. So uh, we're going to review films on the critically acclaimed scale uh, for those of you who may be new. The critically acclaimed scale goes from C- to C+. The lowest the film can get is a C-. That's below average. That's not very good. We just don't recommend it. Possibly the worst thing ever made, and anything in between. C is average. By definition, most films are average. <laughs> just, there's good and there's bad. You know, it's not really doesn't really lean too far in either direction. Depending on how interested you are in the filmmaker or the story, maybe you'll like it more than others. But it's not that it's not amazing and then there's c plus that's above average that's a that's quite (laughs) good that above average you say that's quite good that is that's uh, everything from we genuinely recommend it to the best movie ever made and everything in between and on that scale we can be heroes gets a big old c plus
0: well i think i'll try to check it out then yeah we're we're gonna do a catch-up episode next week yeah there's a lot i still need to see same uh if I can, I'll try to fit that one. Yeah, in. it's 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 short and
1: it's it's cute, and I just I just genuinely dug it. Oh, great. So um, I think uh, yeah, if you feel like you kind of wish superhero movies were a little bit uh, uh, more all ages friendly and catering more towards young audiences, this will definitely work for you. I think so. Uh, I liked it. It's definitely a, a welcome
0: addition to the genre. Uh, News of the world, with News of the world is a C. I, I appreciate a lot of the the visuals, and I liked the performances a lot. Uh, and I'm I'm still thinking about it, though. And yeah. I think uh, it's not because it's so complex. I think it's because it's unclear. That's so that that's the thing that's kind of holding me back a little bit. That Again, stands. maybe maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I I would like to hear your take on it if you get to see
1: it. I I'm looking forward to. It. I'll try to get to it for next week. Uh,
0: okay, uh, the midnight sky. The Midnight Sky, it's a low, it's a C, but it's a lower C just because mm. I appreciate its ambition and its affability, but yeah, it's, it's actually, you know what? I'm going to do downgrade. It's a C minus. I, I think it's just too predictable and bland at the end of the day. That's a shame. Yeah.
1: Uh, Promising Young Woman, big old C plus. C
0: plus. I really, really like yeah, this Yeah.
1: Guaranteed spot on my best of the year list. It's just exactly rides the right line mm. uh, between, uh, you know, that sort of revenge exploitation cinema. With really smart, excellently topical, wonderfully written and acted, yeah, uh, uh, just it's every dang thing it needs to be, which is extremely impressive considering the material and how easy it is to, to make any missteps. Mm. And I don't think it makes a one.
0: But yeah, uh, does it all right? Uh, soul, soul is, is a C. Mm. Uh, it's it's. I think we're just disappointed because it's average when it's such an ambitious project creatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's not a wash. Oh, yeah. But it's just just sort of middle of the road, yeah. which is what the C is for. So I, there you go. Exactly. I think that's my point. I, mm-hmm. I
1: think um, there's too much good in it to even remotely consider it as for a C-. Yeah. It's yeah. beautifully animated. The, the music is excellent. Uh, but uh, and, and again, it's so easy to maybe overreact to something like this because Pixar has set such a high watermark for itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the simple fact is there's a lot of ambition here and that at some point it just settles in to being nah. really frustratingly straightforward considering all the gigantic ideas that are inherent to it. Mm. Um, so it it sets up the expectations for itself and then doesn't meet them regardless yeah. of if this was the first Pixar movie like or the, or the 50th doesn't matter. The movie sets you up no, they, for something it's not going to
0: give you. It's and not, not ul- just in, compared to other Pixar yeah. movies.
1: And ultimately, it's sweet, but ultimately it just doesn't even come remotely close to its ambitions. Yeah. Uh, which is frustrating,
0: but, but agreed on all counts
1: But but not so bad. So it's a C. Um, and then Wonder
0: Woman 1984. Uh, it's it's a C minus. The the yeah. film is just a shabby and not very interesting. Mm. There's a, like a few interesting fight sequences, but they're in this mess of a script yeah. that does not hang together in any kind of meaningful it's, way. It's it's frustratingly undeveloped, and that's
1: mm. very annoying to me because I I, I like Wonder Woman. I like uh, I like the cast. I actually think these are two of the more interesting villains we've had in a DC movie in a while. I think Kristen Wiig, you know, she's playing a somewhat more tried-and-true villain, but I think she plays it really, really well. Pedro Pascal's a really, really fun villain in this. Um, but, yeah, it's just shabby. Mm-hmm. It's shabby. It's undeveloped. It makes weird choices that aren't weird in a fun way. They're weird in a, huh? And it makes you, it gets you really distracted, and you start wondering why the movie doesn't make more sense, kind of way. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and that's
1: not what I want. It's far from the worst DC extended universe movie we've had. That's Suicide Squad, I think. I think it's Suicide Squad. I would say it's Batman v Superman. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it's down there, which yeah. is really, really annoying because. I, mean, I, I really liked the last movie. I wanted to like this one too, but this, I just uh, got to go with what they actually give me.
0: I would say the series is more bad than good. Ultimately at the end of the would, day. Um, so far. Yeah. Yeah. Cause cause yeah, Shazam is great. Shazam is like a legit classic in my mind. I yeah, love it. It holds up really good. I rewatched um, it
1: recently. Yeah. It's fantastic.
0: I, I'm not on board with birds of prey as much as so many other people, but I, can, I love that. I, can, I think I can, it's I can, can appreciate tier. that. It's actually a lot different from the others. Like it's yeah. actually a different thing and that's, Exciting!
1: I think it's top tier. I love that yeah. movie, but I, um, I don't like Aquaman.
0: Uh, and, Aquaman, and, I don't.
1: I don't hate. I was really high on it when it first came yeah. out because I kind of liked its whole like Conan underwater kind of vibe, but <laughs> it. I rewatched it. It doesn't hold okay. up super good. It's,
0: it's 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 just plain stupid. It's Come junky, on. but I. It's, it's, just a big it's, it's not a thing. complete
1: wash for me. I, oh, I, okay. If I were writing it today, I'd give it a C. Okay. But uh, um. But
0: again, I, I I like I don't love Wonder Woman, uh, mm-hmm. and I love Wonder Woman, and uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman are just awful. I think Man of Steel is mostly
1: good, but its mm-hmm. missteps are so egregious that it does take the whole thing down. Like and, and, the whole treatment of Pa Kent boy, was that a weird choice. <laughs> yeah. Like, what um, if he was an asshole? Like, wait, why? What are we getting out of this? And why oh are you God, treating I'm, him like
0: he's not? Trying to, try to like, have all of this, like, destruction and violence in a Superman movie just felt like a bad choice to make. Yeah, it doesn't need to be that dour about uh, it. And, uh, yeah. and I'm, on, I'm on record as being okay with justice league the way it is
1: yeah I, i'm not looking
0: forward to the snyder cut i think the cut well, we got was okay i i it's okay it's might in, a it might be
1: that it's it's a frankenstein monster it but feels there's like a
0: frankenstein monster but i appreciate that it has sort of a saturday morning cartoon quality there's stuff i like in that movie yeah. a lot
1: there's stuff i like in that movie a lot and yeah i'm curious to see what Zack snyder's version would be especially considering it's guaranteed to be very very different but at the same time I didn't like Batman v Superman, so I wasn't super excited to see a follow up in that vein.
0: Well, I've, I've seen other Zack Snyder films as well. I generally yeah. haven't liked most of his movies. I
1: like I like several of his movies. It's just I yeah I don't know. I I wasn't a fan of what he was doing with Superman. I thought he had gotten worse from first film to second. So, yeah. but yeah, Wonder Woman just is is on the low ebb of that, which is annoying. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's it for uh, critically acclaimed this week. Again, uh, the streaming club is on hiatus as we play catch up this year. This is our uh, catch up to the last week of December. We're gonna do one episode where we watch a bunch of movies like Tenet um, and uh, New Mutants, hopefully, and a whole bunch of other stuff that we I've couldn't get to throughout movie. the year that we always meant to.
0: And I've been catching up on a lot of the uh, the critical darlings. Yeah, so I've seen. I've already seen films like Minari and I need to and, see Minari here. and, Thaku, really and yeah. uh, rarely. rarely Uh, never really sometimes always yeah Uh, i've seen that one already and we're going to talk all about those films next week yeah
1: so we're just going to get we're going to do that and then uh, yeah then we're going to do a big episode with our best of the year and then everything will resume back to normal uh probably around the second week of january when we keep reviewing new films and we bring back the streaming club uh where we're going to have people vote for streaming movies that we will review that will be um sorry that poll will be available on patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network uh, of course, you can go to patreoncom critically acclaimed network for a lot of exclusive content from us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be picking up the pace on that uh, in January. I've made a concerted effort to focus almost exclusively on the podcast uh, okay. for a while. I'm tired of being, I'm tired of having all this other shit in my life. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to streamline, and I want to really make sure that everyone gets the best of us everything you deserve everything you you deserve deserve everything we can get we've had so many scheduling issues and a lot of it is life shit we have no control over people Mm. people died for god's sake but like Mm. we we want to get this back to where exactly we want it to be and that's Mm. my goal in january so thank you everybody for your patience i know some of our shows have been delayed that it's my goal that that will not be a thing anymore um so yeah Patreon.com slash so Network. You can vote for future episodes, get a whole bunch of exclusive content. You can follow us on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I am at Whitney Seibold. You can email us, letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We have a podcast called We've Got Mail. We might read your email over the air and we might answer your questions and respond to your prompts, or your criticisms, or whatever else you want to talk about. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone's a critic, I guess. That's how we usually end these
2: To the Midnight Show! I'm sorry, what?